Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio, and we got a really, really loaded show. Probably one of our most busiest shows we've had in, in a really long time. I mean, we got the NFL starting up. We got our NFL preview today. Obviously, the baseball trade deadline. Uh, you know, we got the Kentucky Derby this weekend. We got, you know, college football, the Big Ten, and uh, and Big Ten wants to maybe come back and play, and we got a player that's opting out. College basketball, unfortunately, we lost uh, two of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball. But we got to start with uh, what happened last week. It happened last week right when we went off the air is the uh, the reaction to the Jacob Blake shooting and, and the boycotts from all this from from the NBA for three days in a row, the NHL from baseball. It, it was boycotts for pretty much three days in a row. And it all started with the Bucks on uh, on Wednesday, right when we got, got off the air. They were going to play the Magic. They boycotted their their game five against the Magic. Then it, that led to NBA games getting postponed for the next for the next two nights for, um, from Wednesday to Friday to Friday. And they, they, they did get back on Saturday. Uh, MLB pretty much uh, half the schedule uh, was postponed on uh, on Thursday. And then uh, only one game was on Friday. They did get back on Friday, Jackie Robinson Day. And uh, the NHL postponed their games on Thursday, too because of the support of black lives matter. And I think they did, they did this for the right reason. You know, this things have to change in this country. You cannot have, you know, innocent, you can't have black. Yeah, no, he was about to be arrested, but you can't have black men being, being shot uh, like this by, by police. This cannot happen in this country. This needs to stop. And I like think the athletes absolutely did the right thing. Uh, 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 boycotting, uh, for the last couple for for a couple days last week they did the right thing black lives matter they have to they have to, there has to be more awareness to what's going on right now and they and 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 and, and it has to get better as a nation we have to get better at at at, at being more accepting and more diverse as a nation we have to be we have to be better i mean what we're doing right now we're getting better but it's not good enough i mean we had uh george floyd die we had Bernard, brianna and we had uh jacob blake get shot uh, and, and, and paralyzed. This cannot happen. This needs to change. We need to change. We need a change in our society. And you heard from Aaron Boone. You heard from Doc Rivers. I love what Doc Rivers said. We keep loving this country, but this country isn't loving us back. And he's a hundred percent right about that. That there needs to be a change in this country uh, to make things better. We this these these police shootings of African Americans need to stop, and they need to stop right now. Yeah, they they definitely do. You know. Um... And yeah, it was a you know good idea for all the pro teams to take kind of uh, you know boycott some of their games last week. And the thing was about it too is you know like the NBA had the meeting of how they're going to change things because it's just one thing to kind of just you know say something on social media and then just you know not do anything about it. But they're trying you know they're trying to change things. They're trying to figure out you know ways to um make this you know to, to um hopefully you know stop innocent um or you know black people from getting shot by you know police um you know so yeah it's um it was it such a good thing to see around you know all the sports everybody um and it's a good time because yeah you know the scenes end um yeah doc river's speech was really emotional um you know and his kind of experiences with all this so um, so yeah. And, and yeah, and most of these athletes too are, are, are black. So they, they have like a huge, you know, they have a lot of their voices, um, you know, really want to be heard. And I think they're trying to really make a, make a change right now for that. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there just, there just needs to be a change. I mean, what happened in Wisconsin was disgraceful. It was horrific. It just can't, it just can't happen. And I just really think that these, Af- these African-Americans, these, yeah, these black athletes, you know, using this platform and, 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 and pro and boycotting was definitely the right thing last week. They needed to bring awareness. I mean, to this situation and it needs to stop. And I think they absolutely did the right thing. Oh, yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. And, you know, hopefully it's made a change. Um, in our country so that, you know, these guys can feel better for themselves. And I think, you know, one of the issues why we kind of saw, you know, some of these guys are worried in the bubble and, and nervous and anxious because, you know, they don't know what could happen outside of it. Um, and it's, you know, tough for them because they really can't go outside right now and make a difference when they're in the bubble. So um, by kind of boycotting and trying to, you know, bring awareness to it really, you know, help the situation out. You got to remember these, and Joe sent me this, sent me this private message. These are black people before they are athletes. These are human beings and they need to be safe and they need to feel like in this country that they are going to be safe and live like everybody else. They need to feel this way. Racism has gone on for 400 years. It's gone on way too long. These African-Americans need to feel safe in this country and they need to feel a part of this country. Yeah, absolutely. They do. You know, they're as part, you know, as everybody, you know, everybody should be an equal in this country. You know, it's America. It's supposed to be the greatest country in the world. And, you know, and I know some, you know, by people, some, you know, don't feel like, yeah, you know, they're, they're totally equal because of this. And I understand why, you know, um, it's unfortunate. And hopefully, you know, we can make the change and, you know, they, they could feel safe and they could feel wanted, like Doc Rivers said, you know, that they don't really feel like they're wanted here right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So the league resumed on Saturday. The, the Lakers and Bucks advanced. The Clippers advanced on Sunday. But we had ourselves a game seven last night between the uh, Nuggets and the Jazz. And that was a really good game. I mean, Jokic saved the Nuggets with 30 points. He had a really good game. Jamal Murray did not have a good game last night. He, he was not good. He only scored 17 points, didn't shoot the ball well. Donovan Mitchell played. played I mean, he's, he's, he played well, I'd say he played well. He was he wasn't as good great as he was in, in other games during the series, but I thought he played well. He was de- him and Gobert were the two the Jazz two best players last night. But we come to the end of the game. I mean, it, with, with the with the Nuggets uh, up up by two points, uh, the, the the Jazz Donovan Mitchell turns it over. And what I didn't get is why Jamal Murray pushed the ball up the floor. Just dribble it out, get fouled, shoot two free throws, go up by four. He dribbles it up the floor, passes it to Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig misses the layup. Then Mike Conley gets a wide open three that he misses. And they were letting their, and Murray was lucky they missed that three because if they made that three, oh, he would he would have been getting crushed today for not pulling the ball out and getting fouled. So, but I think a great sportsmanship between Murray and uh, Mitchell. Great, uh, great uh, shows the respect of those two players. Arguably, could be two super potential superstars in this league right now. I think they're both close to being top 10 players. They had an outstanding series. Both of them went back and forth in the series. I think they had it. It was a, 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 like 247 points combined between the two out. They were just an outstanding series for both those two guys and the nuggets move on. They advanced to face the Clippers. They're in for a tough series against the Clippers, but they, they were able to advance last night in, in a really good game. Yeah, it was. It was a very good game. Very, you know, defensive battle. Something I really enjoy. You know, of course. You know, it's your style of basketball. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the eighty to seventy-eight. This was like a game from the seventies where the two big men, Jokic and uh, Gobert, played well. Yep, and that's my. I love that type of basketball. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, but it was definitely a really fun game to watch last night. Um, yeah, and, and one thing about Murray, because I know he did struggle, but I heard 
I was reading something this morning. It sounds like he may have a quad contusion when he got stepped on late in the first half. So that's maybe one of the reasons why he didn't play as well. Um, but I don't know why. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know why he pushed that the push the ball up like that. I, you know, he's a he's a good foul shooter too. So I don't know why. Um, you know, I I don't know why he did that. That was kind of a young mistake right there. Um, for your player, but yeah, Jokic was great. Um, and yeah, the D and Gary Harris, I thought did a pretty you know did a pretty good job on Donovan Mitchell for the most part. I thought you know, um, he held him in check, which really is what you need to do against that Jazz team. Rudy Gobert stepped up with nineteen and seventeen, but yeah, it just was not enough. And if Conley did hit that three, poor Murray, because he it would have stunk for him because he played so well in the series. Um, but you know, they're gonna need him to shoot better than seven for twenty one if they got any shot against the Clippers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's gonna be a brutal series for them against the Clippers, anyways. I think that Jokic has a good series because I don't think the Clippers have a guy that can contain him. But I think Murray, he's look Jamal Murray is a really good player. He's not Luka Doncic. So I think the Clippers do contain him. That's why I got the Clippers beating them in five games. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you there. I'm with five. And I also think that Denver bench, um, their role players really got to step up. They only scored six points in the second half out of the team's 30. So they, if the Nuggets want any chance, they got to get something off their bench. And I just don't think they're going to be able to get any of that. Not, they're not going to get much of that. Porter played, I thought, better last night with 10-9. But still, I don't think it's going to be enough to beat the Clippers. This is just, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, um, you know, well, big series against these guys. Right, we got a question. Which basketball player do you think is better, uh, Jocic or Doncic? Obviously, it's Doncic. I mean, Doncic is a point guard, six seven. He could go. He can go to the basket. He could. Uh, he could. He could. He could drive to. The, he could drive to the hoop. Uh, he, he could hit threes. He could pretty much do everything a point guard could do. I mean, Jokic could do everything a center could do. But if you're going with the point guard or the center in this NBA, you're a hundred times out of a hundred taking the point guard. So that's why I'm taking Doncic any day over Jokic. Yeah, I'd take Luka Doncic, you know, in a, in a, in a sport in the, in the NBA now where it's kind of guard-oriented, you know, if I had to take a guy to start a franchise right now, it would definitely be Luka Doncic over Jokic. I love centers, but you got to go with Doncic, especially the way he played um, against the Clippers in the first round. So we got another game seven tonight, and that's between the uh, Rockets and the Thunder, and it's CP3's old team. He's trying to eliminate his old team that traded him last year that pretty much – Pretty much gave up on him. Said he was past his prime. He's had a, he's had a really good series for the Thunder uh, and for the Rockets. I mean, James Harden's had a really good series, but Russell Westbrook's been rusty. I mean, you saw the Rockets had a six point lead with four minutes to go in games in Game Six. Uh, Westbrook had the ball twice. He had two big turnovers in that game. CP3 came up huge in that in Game Six with twenty eight points, uh, but. In game seven, I know, Justin, you picked, you picked. This was your one upset. You took the Thunder in seven. I took the Rockets in seven. I just think, just like I said before the series, it's going to come down to the best player in the series, the guy that's been the most consistent in the series for either team, and that's James Harden. He's been the most consistent player in this series, and that's why I think the Rockets win this game by double digits. I just can't trust anyone from the Thunder uh, carrying this team. They've just, they've both, they, they, they have a lot of good players. I mean, Chris Paul still is a, he had a really good year this year. Uh, SGA is a really good player. Gallery is a good player. Uh, Adams is a good player, but no one you could really trust to take over a game the way James Harden, Harden can. So I got the Rockets winning and I got him winning in double digits. I got the Thunder one. By double digits, I mean. Uh, uh, um, I got the Thunder. And I think 
the Thunder will win this game because I think Russell Westbrook takes the Rockets out of this game. I think he tries to play what he did at the end of the game, um, five, or game six. Again, I don't know why the ball's in his hands when he's rusty. Um, I, I think he tries to be here, plays the hero ball, tries to knock out his own team on his own, and I think I think it hurts him big. And you know, for Thunder, they got nothing to lose. Um, this Rocket team thought, you know, got rid of Chris Paul and thought they were gonna be ten times better with Russell Westbrook, and that has not been the case. And I. I think Chris Paul, uh, again, 13 of his 28 points in the fourth quarter in game six. I think he has another big fourth quarter. I think SGA steps up tonight. or And now him and um, Schroeder, because I know Schroeder did not play very – I think he showed like 3 for 15 or something. Um, and then I also need Steven Adams to finish – he's 3 for 9. He, I need him to finish around the basket consistently because the, the Rockets have nobody to guard him. And when he usually does take it, Doing the whole that you know that it looks like you know it's just it's just a mismatch. So OKC can do that, and um, I'm going with the Thunder. I, I you know I just think Russ takes them out of this game tonight. Yeah, you're sticking with your pick, and I think for the Rockets, a big key is they need to have Russell Westbrook playing off the ball. They need Harden to bring the ball up, handling the ball. Russell Westbrook playing off the ball because you saw when Westbrook was bringing the ball up. It was a disaster for the Rockets, especially late in that game. You know, he was rusty in game five. He's rusty in game six. You don't know what he's going to be in game seven. And you know Westbrook, he wants to, you know, even though clearly Harden's the better player, he likes to be the star. And if he's bringing the ball up and and he's turning the ball over, the, the Thunder definitely have a chance to win this game. And another thing, if the Thunder win this game and the Rockets lose, Mike D'Antoni is definitely fired. He's out of a job. There's no way Mike D'Antoni is the coach of the Rockets next year if they lose this game. Oh, oh, yeah. There, there's no way, and I don't know, you know. Um, they, yeah, you should be looking for a new job because there's no way you should have lost to a, a OKC team. I know they're a five seed, but come on, you just you got their best player, and you still lost him in seven games. Absolutely. So it should be interesting what happens tonight between those two teams. I'm excited to watch that game seven tonight, but we got to get to the Eastern Conference, and we're going to go to the Celtics and the Raptors. And this series is pretty simple to break down. The, the real reason why the Celtics are up 2-0 is they got Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum is the best player in the series. Yes, they've gotten, you know, Marcus Smart was clutch. He couldn't hit a shot all game until the fourth quarter. He hit, like, four straight threes. Kemba was not good at all for three quarters either, and he came up big in the clutch. But the biggest reason why the the the, uh, the Celtics are winning this series is because of Jason Tatum. He had 34 points last night. He is clearly, clearly without a debate, the best player on the floor in this series. And the question was at the Raptors, when were they going to miss Kawhi Leonard? This is the series where they absolutely miss Kawhi Leonard. They're just just uh, Lowry, Van Fleet, and Siakam. They're all good players. They are not Kawhi Leonard. And that's a big reason. That is the reason why I think they're not advancing onto the conference finals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Jason Tatum has really emerged as a superstar and something the Celtic fans have been waiting for. Um, and he's taking full control of that. I loved it too. I loved to get to the line last night. It's 14 for 14, took advantage of the three throw line. Um, Marcus Smart, you know, because it seems like that third quarter, the Raptors pretty much kind of dominated. It seemed like, all right, you know, they got a good chance here um, to tie this thing up. And all of a sudden, Marcus Smart comes out of nowhere and hits four straight threes. And you could just see it. The Celtics just started beaming with confidence. And uh, it just, everything just came into fruition for the Celtics. Um, Kemba Walker scored 11 of the teams of the Celtics final 16 points, the huge, uh, step back. Um, he loves that move. Nobody can stop that. 
And oh, we don't know about that step back from Kappa. Oh, yeah. been, oh, yeah. We've known about it for years. Yep, yep. It's great to uh, be able to actually see him do it again in a big spot like that. Um, and then even I feel like Robert Williams last night, 11 4. Oh, you love you love Robert Williams for some reason, dude. He's a big rebound guy. He's a oh, st- guy. Th- th- come on, rebounds in the NBA these days. Come on now, dude. I'm a big fan of rebounds. I yeah, rebounds when no one's boxing out, you just get the rebound. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm a big I, I am a big advocate of uh, boxing out. That that's the first thing I do. But um, he's also ten for ten shooting in the series, so he's been good off the bench. Daniel Dice too in game one was really good. I know last night he went three points. Um. But a couple guys have kind of stepped up there for the Celtics a little bit. So, um, so far, they've been the better team, and um, they, they look really, really good right now. They look like they're just in sync right now. And, again, Gilbert hey, Hayward's going to be back in, I think, maybe two weeks. So, and you add him to the mix. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, Celtics are on a roll. But we'll see who their opponent – because I think they're going to win this series mm-hmm. because they won last night. We'll see who their opponent's going to be, and that's – Really up in the air between the Heat and the Bucks. The Heat win game one, 115-104. Jimmy Butler scoring 40 points in that game. And the Heat have the they, this is a great matchup for the Heat because they could do one thing the Bucs can't do well. They can shoot the three and the Bucs can't defend the three. And they got two and they have two guys that could take Giannis. Bam out of bio and Jimmy Butler. And they did that in game one. And here's my issue with Giannis. You're supposed to be the defensive player of the year. And a guy is putting up 40 points and you don't take him on defense. That is inexcusable. How are you the defensive player of the year and you don't take Jimmy Butler? That make to me, that makes absolutely no sense. And I'm telling you, and yes, did I make a dumb comment yet last year about Giannis? Yes. I said that if when they were losing to the Celtics, I said he wasn't top five. I'll own that. But if Giannis does not win this series against the Bucs, he cannot, he should not, I don't care if he wins the MVP, he should not be in the conversation. In the conversation for best player in the game with Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. He shouldn't be in that conversation if he doesn't win this series. This was his Eastern Conference to lose this year, and right now he's down 0-1 to the Heat. Yeah, I may have to agree with you with that last statement there. Especially Kawhi, you know, LeBron meet in the Western Conference Finals. I would strongly have to agree with you there. Um, yeah, you know, and I understand that um, he doesn't, you know, again, Chris Middleton's a – Good too, but he's not an Anthony Davis and he's not a Paul George. I get that. But again, this Heat team's got Jimmy Butler, um, and Bam out of bio, who, you know, was a very good young player. Um, but anyway, about the game, uh, it looked like, you know, early on, Miami struggled, you know, coming off a week of week of rest defensively, they did not look great that first, especially that first quarter. Um, but after that, they they really um settled in and it just seemed too like Jimmy Butler for the first three quarters was just going to the rim every time. And Milwaukee just did not want any part of trying to stop them. It, they just made it way too easy on him. Um, the Bucks, the Bucks defense, I, I thought awful for the first 36 minutes. And I thought they got better in the fourth quarter, but it was just too late by that point. Um, they, you know, uh, Giannis only took 12 shots in the game. He was four for 12 at the line. And I think that's a, he's got to shoot three throws better. Especially in a series like this where Bam Adebayo can slow you down, you got to take advantage at the free throw line. He did not in game one. Um, and I, I agree, this is such a bad, bad matchup for the Bucs, and uh, they're in trouble. You know, I I have the Heat in six in the series, and, you know, that's, uh, that's off to a good start. I love seeing this Heat team play defense. 
Um, they've been fun to watch, and they got to uh, and they got to um, they got to figure out how to slow down Jimmy Butler. Also the uh, also the Heat too. They took advantage. Um, they scored twenty eight points off of Bucks turnovers as well, so they they took advantage of that. Um, but Bucks really need tonight. Oh yeah, they, they. I think they definitely need to win tonight. They can't get down too well. The Heat—they're probably the best organization in the NBA. They got the best culture set by Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. They've won a couple championships. They've won three championships in the last fifteen years. They've been to the NBA Finals five times. They got a great culture there with the Heat. But for the Bucks, yeah, they got to win tonight. And I still have the Bucks in this series because I believe that Giannis is the best player in the series. And the and the thing is, is the Heat don't have Jimmy Butler's really good, but they don't have a number two that's you know as good as Chris. I mean as good or as good as Chris Middleton. So I'm still taking the bucks in the series, but seeing the way it went game one, seeing them contain Giannis and not seeing Giannis take Jimmy Butler when he was hot. That's something Giannis is going to have to do. If the bucks are going to win the series, you can't be the defensive player of the year, in my opinion, and not take the best score when they're hot. You've got to do that. So this is, this is a big series for Giannis. I feel like he's got, he's, he's got to win this series. He's got to, he's got to get to the finals and uh, it's going to be a tough series, but I'm sticking with the bucks in seven and six bucks and six. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Heat and six. And, you know, I, I think as long as Bam and Abad, Jimmy Butler, whoever takes on, it's going to slow him down and make sure that he does not beat him. Uh, I think that he got a good chance. And also, um, I don't know what Eric Bledsoe's status is yet for tonight, but, again, missing him, you know, again, kind of adds another score out there. I don't, you know, he's not great, but he's another decent score that they can have. Um, and I think that also hurts. I, you know, I'm going to take the Heat again tonight and uh, go up 2-0. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so, so we, we are now going to shift over to the uh, to baseball and the, and the trade deadline this week. And, uh, and it was, it was a, for, for all these teams being in, I was, I think the trade deadline was decent. The Padres were definitely the winner of the trade de- deadline. Clearly the, clearly the winner. There's no question about it. I mean, they, they, uh, they, they picked up, uh, 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 Rosenthal from uh, Cle- from the Royals, Clevenger from the Indians, and Moreland from the Red Sox. They clearly were the winner at the trade deadline. They really made some big moves. And let me tell you, this is a team that's a World Series contender. They want to put up. They want to put up. A, they want to win a World Series. So next next year, those fans are selling out uh, Petco Park and watching uh, Tatis Jr. play. Yeah, I think Padres definitely the big winner. Um, Clevenger is a huge addition for them you know with the young staff they have and i know garrett richard hasn't been great as well um they had a reliever i know the only thing that worries me is they added two new catchers they got rid of their other catchers so that's the only thing that worries me right now is um they all kind of got to learn each other pitches and all that so um that's interesting this to see but you know it, it's you know this team's definitely going after the dodgers and they're definitely I feel like they are a threat to Dodgers um, right now, and they're definitely the huge winner. Um, and it's it's nice to see the Padres. You know, they haven't been there since 06. It's kind of been – because they did this again a couple years ago where they went after Kimbrell. I forgot. Uh, Justin Upton. Yeah, Justin Upton. James it's, Shields, too. Yeah. yeah and, they, and, it, and it completely flopped. Yeah. It it did, and yeah, I think they finished six games under five hundred, something like that. So this time I around, I don't think that's going to happen. And this team's going to be a uh, contender in the, in the National League, and it's going to be fun to watch them. Because and the nice thing too is they did not blow up their farm system either. They they, they I think they kept five of their top six guys, um, so they did a good job as well in that aspect because their farm system's 
really, really loaded. I think they're number two or three still. So um, great job by the Padres. We'll quickly go through some of the other moves. I mean, the Blue Jays getting Taiwan Rocker, uh, Walker and Robbie Ray. Reds getting Archie Bradley. Rockies getting uh, Kevin Pillar. A's getting Tommy LaStella and Mike Miner. Uh, Marlins getting Starling Marte. Obviously, the Phillies got Workman, Phelps, and Hembry. So sm- small moves, but moves that could help their teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and again, yeah, because I think teams are, you know, you don't want to make the huge, huge move and have to give up a prospect and, you know, yeah, for 30 games and, you know, be eliminated two games in the postseason. It's just too big of a risk right now. So, yeah, I'm not, you know, it was bigger. It was, I thought it was going to be quieter. So it was nice to see, you know, some action out there. But yeah, definitely Clevenger was really the only big star to fall. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll get into the Yankees, and this was a very, very emotional week as a Yankee fan. And it started on Friday with that, uh, with that, with the Subway Series, and they, and if they looked like they were going to win Game One, they had a four nothing lead going to the fifth. Uh, Montgomery gives up a run, pitched a really good game, and then Chad Green completely blows up in in uh, in, in game uh, in, in in the sixth inning. Gives up the three-run homer to Alonzo. Gives up the home run to Dom Smith. Gives up the home run to Marisnik. They end up losing 6-4. Then game two, they're up three to they're up three to two going into the ninth. And then Chapman gives up the two-run homer to Rosario. I mean, it looked like two of the worst Yankee losses of the year in one day. And then coming off a loss on Thursday where they had a lead going into the sixth inning. So they had three really bad losses in a row. And that, which were which the three bad losses in a row, which was which they were that 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 extended their losing streak to seven games. Then Saturday they win in a walk off with a pretentious wild pitch, and then we get Sunday's game, which Sunday's game was just oh, amazing. I mean, down seven two in the ninth inning with two outs and a runner on. Then then Luke Voigt base loaded. Luke Voigt gets a single. Then they bring Edwin Diaz in, and then I texted my buddy who I watched the game with with on Friday, who's a Mets fan, and I said Diaz time, and he's. He said, "Oh God, we're, we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna blow this." And then you know, he, that, there's the pass ball, and then Hicks hits the two-run homer. And then I, then I, then, then Joe texts me and says, "I called it," which I know Joe called that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 100% sure Joe called that. And then I texted my buddy. I said, "Game over," and we're winning the second game. And that's exactly what happened because in the second game, Sanchez came through and hit the hit the home run. It hit the grand slam and the Yankees won that game five to two. So just an emotional subway series on, on both ends. Can you look at the Mets on Friday? They sweep the double header. Then Steve Cohen owns the team. And then on Sunday they get swept in the double header. And now they've, and then they've ended up the last, next two nights losing to the Marlins and the Orioles. So just an emotional week for both, just an emotional subway series for both teams. Yeah, it was. It started off really brutal Friday because you got a great start from Montgomery, one of his best all year, and then Chad Green blows up for the second straight night, and then uh, game two again. It was Chapman's second inning of the year, and almost you know he's been back now for two, three weeks. So again, it was I, you know, still battling rush, still battling all that, and and then our old friend Dylan Patances, yeah, won us game uh, three, but then um, Sunday. Debbie Garcia. Oh my God. This guy, this guy cannot wait to see this guy gets, you know, every five days up here. Adding him, Savvy, um, and Garrett Cole. That I cannot wait to have those three. Um, you know, that next year. I know Debbie's probably Debbie's gonna probably pitch Friday, but his stuff is so, so good. And um, you go and I heard too, like um walks are have been an issue for him, but I don't he did not walk one batter, so um he looked very calm, cool, collected. He looked, he was great. And I think it was a very nice, big burst, uh, boost for the Yankees. And then Sanchez coming up big. 
Um, but yeah, the whole series, it was an emotional roller coaster. I know Friday night was, was, uh, tough, you know, a- after game two, it was just, you know, with everything going on with all the injuries, it was tough. Uh, you know, just kind of disappointed because for the most part, they did not, Yankees could not hit with runners of scoring ambition. Um, you know, you got the breaks down seven, two, but it was definitely a very, very emotional roller coaster for both sides. And, I even heard the Mets were trying to uh, see if anybody would take Diaz, and it sounded like nobody was interested. In Who would take Diaz right now? Yeah, no, no, I, that would be a mistake with that contract. Absolutely, and that, and then we go into uh, this week with the Rays, and let's—I made a comment on Keys to the City, and I said that uh, that Garrett Cole lost to Cy Young, and Joe didn't like that. Uh, I think now. They, they, we got to admit, every Yankee fan, that Cole's not winning the Cy Young. That's all. That's a given right now. Jared Cole will not win the Cy Young. He struggled of late. Yeah, he's not been terrible this year, but he he has he hasn't been he hasn't been how he's been the last two years with the Astros. Yes, the, with the sixty game season, he's not going to have time to figure it out like he would in a normal year. But as of right now, there right now there's no way Garrett Cole's going to win the Cy Young. And then they, they lost the game on Monday, and then last night's game, Tanaka pitched well. But after you, which you would think, you know, with momentum, you finally beat the Rays, you win four out of five, and then a Aroldis Chapman for some reason has to throw at a guy's head. He has to throw at a guy's head intentionally. And, and you know, yes, they won the game, but that takes a little bit. It kind of puts a little damper on it when he's throwing at a guy's head. And then Kevin Cash responded yesterday, too. Uh, responded after the game last night, too, saying we got a bunch of guys that throw 98 miles an hour. So the rivalry's on between these two teams. The Yankees, the Rays are three and a half games in first place. This rivalry's been going on for, I'd say, three years after. I'll need a f- – uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe. Okay, there is no way that Garrett Cole's winning the Cy Young because we know the BBWA hates the Yankees. And, yeah, he's a, a few complete games to get into the Cy Young. He's not getting back in the Cy Young race, okay? It's over. Just accept it. Garrett, I was wrong. I said he was going to win the Cy Young. He's not winning the Cy Young this year. Let's just accept that. Let's get that out of the way. Now, stop. He's not winning the Cy Young this year, okay? That's a guarantee. So, uh, let's yeah, get back to Chapman. Just inexcusable. I mean, just so dumb. And he's probably going to get suspended for this anyways. We had just won four to five. We had just gotten momentum. You throw at a guy for no reason at all. Just just so dumb of Chapman to, to do that. I just, and I'm just not happy. I was not happy at all that he did that last night. Yeah, I, I was not either. And it's kind of gone back to 2018 when it started down at Tropicana. Um, you know, and then CC threw at a guy and then Romine got, th- or it was Romine got thrown at first. And then I think it was Romine and then CC threw back at him. It's been kind of going since then. It, last night, I think it kind of got to a boiling point. The only thing is, though, I heard this this morning. Tanaka's never thrown a 95 mile per hour fastball in years, and he hit Wendell in the elbow, you know, elbow side with a 95 mile per hour fastball. You know, and he never misses inside like that. So I don't know. It, it, so maybe it sounds like Tanaka. I don't know because um, I know the Yankees hitters haven't been happy that they've been throw Tampa's been thrown inside. Um, it, it's been getting ugly. Hopefully, nothing stems from it tonight because especially too. Like the Rays already have eight guys on the I, eight pitchers on the IL. Chapman probably gonna go get suspended now, so you lose him. You already, ha- you know, you already lost Canley for the year. Um, and again, the start, you know, starting pitch has kind of been up and down. Especially you have no, you, you don't really have any off days coming up, so um, it's tough if Chapman goes dozo down. I know I did not like what Cash at all about, you know. 
Um, yeah, but let's be honest. He's trying to protect his players. He is, and I think, too, emotionally, it was right after the game. So I, I think emotions are still running high for him at that point, but hopefully nothing really sends it from tonight. But Tampa has is, owned is these guys, and they, they've owned New York uh, this year, which is something I think maybe, you know, it, which is crazy. And the last thing about this is um, – to uh, the Tampa Bay postgame show, they were calling the Yankees Bush League, which I don't know if I'd go that far. But, again, I, I just think it got to a point last night. Hopefully nothing retaliates again because both sides, with this kind of – with only three, four weeks left in the season, you don't want to see anybody go on the IL for two, three weeks because they got hit and, um, you know, intentionally like this. So, hopefully it calms down tonight. And I know Charlie Morton's back on the mound for the race. So, and, you know – um. But the big one for the Yankees tonight, and then also just to bring up the Cole Cy Young thing, yeah, that's not ha- that I don't. He's got no chance because of the, of uh, Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber right now, um, he's putting himself in the MVP category right now. Yeah, he's 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 yeah he's yeah he's got a long way to catch up to Shane Bieber. But you know, before we get to our NFL preview, we just want to hit on the uh, COVID issue with the A's. I mean, and as I said last week on the show, it's not. If a team's going to get come down with this, it's it's when, and it happened on Sunday, the A's game with the Astros, Astros got postponed, and then their series with the Mariners got postponed. This continues to happen, and it's becoming more and more obvious. MLB, figure this out and get a bubble for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been more noise or energy to this because we're getting down in the last few weeks here, the regular season. So, yeah, it's uh, – you know, again, they, they have to be able to do it, and I know that it sounds like everybody – Everyone else has tested negative, which is good. Um, but Saturday was the second time all year that all 30 teams played. And then the next day, of course, um, more COVID issues. And then, you know, obviously the A's have postponed their series with the Mariners. So, yeah, they, they definitely need the bubble. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But now, the moment we've all been waiting for, we do this every year. We do our NFL preview before the season. We go through every team. We go through the playoffs. And we're going to do it right now for you and we're going to start obviously we're going to start in the nfc east and we're not going to go with the division champion we're going to start with my team and that is the new york giants and i the joe judge era begins this year for the new york giants and I, there's things i like i like about it. i think he's going to bring discipline account accountability and, and attention to detail he's going to bring those three things to the giants i really really like that the issue is though is i'm afraid he's going to be kind of like bill belichick and not be himself and I'm afraid the players are going to see through that and, and and if you're like bill belichick you don't have the resume to get away with it that could be trouble and you've seen that in Detroit with Matt Patricia. So I, I'm just a little afraid of that. But looking at the Giants this year, it's year two with Daniel Jones as the starter. I mean, he's added nine pounds of muscle, so I'm hoping that could help him hang on to the ball. I'm hoping the fumbling issues stop. That was a major issue last year. I think he takes a jump this year, but not as big of a jump as you would expect second-year quarterbacks to make because of the unusual offseason and the and the, the new coaching staff. So I think he's going to have that. It's going to take some time for Jones to adjust to the new staff, to Jason Garrett's offense. But I think, you know, that the big jump with Daniel Jones is going to be year three. I think he makes a jump this jump this year, but not as big of a jump as people think. Uh, obviously, the one constant for this offense is Saquon Barkley. He is out. He is outstanding. One of the best running backs in the, in the league. We hope he can be healthy this year. He, he played 13 games last year, but he wasn't healthy for most of those games last year. If he can stay healthy this year, he's primed for a great year. The skill position players for the Giants, it comes down to age and health. I mean, health because uh, Sterling Shepard, good player, but he's missed 11 games in the last three seasons. Evan Ingram, the, the most talented player in the Giants offense, uh, skill guy in the Giants offense outside of Saquon Barkley, he's missed 13 games. 
in the last two years. So health is going to be big with them. Uh, they got golden. Uh, got a nice <laughs> Joe's picture with uh, Joe Judge. That's a nice. I like that picture with Joe Judge. We'll get to Golden Tate, one of the wide receivers. He had a really, he had a pretty good year last year after the suspension. Ages a little bit of an issue with him going on thirty-two, but he had a good year after the suspension. The thing with this receiving core is, is they got a lot of B to B to B plus to B minus receivers. They don't have a lot of great receivers, but they have a lot of good receivers. And 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 you see that with Darius Slayton last year. Darius Slayton was one of the bright spots for the team. Led the team in touchdowns with eight, and he was a, definitely a bright spot for the Giants. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, the Giants' defense is bad. The Giants' defense is bad." I think this defense could be a little bit better than people think because I, I think this defensive line is a little bit underrated. Leonard Williams, you know, doesn't get didn't get a lot of sacks, but when he came, the eight games he played with the Giants, he was good against the run and he got pressure on the quarterback. Uh, uh, the, re- the, the, the rest of the guys, they had a couple of good guys who were good stopping the run, too. Rookie Dexter Lawrence had a good year stopping the run. Yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson had a good year stopping the run, and so did B.J. Hill. So they got some run stuffers there. And at the edge position, which I like to call the 3-4 uh, outside linebacker position, uh, he brought back Marcus Golden, who had 10 sacks last year. Yes, some of them are coverage sacks, but it does help for, for depth of for the uh, – for, it does help with depth there. Uh, you got the big years for Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Jimenez. Jimenez they need to step up this year. Uh, and obviously Kyle Fackrell. And Kyle Fackrell didn't have a good year last year, but when Patrick Graham was on the coaching staff in Green Bay, Kyle Fackrell had 10 sacks. So this defensive front for the Giants is underrated. The issue, though, is the linebacker position. And uh, Blake – and they lost David Mayo uh, last week due to injury. Uh, and Blake Martinez, yes, he had 144 – tackles last year but issues in coverage and he graded under 60 according to pro football focus so i was not the biggest fan of blake martinez i would have preferred them getting Corey littleton in free agency in the secondary i think that's another that's another issue in the secondary I, uh james bradbury i'm not the biggest fan of him yes he yes he he was considered one of the better corners in free agency but uh predominantly his own corners got to play more man coverage this year and he did great at great at around a 60 according to pro football focus i did like the logan ryan signing though you gotta like that signing if you're a giants fan he does add depth at corner which the giants desperately needed with uh deandre baker on the commissioner's exempt list and uh and uh sam Beal, uh opting out and then at safety jabril peppers had a really good camp he played better towards the end of last year before he got hurt so Hurt, but the big loss is Xavier McKinney. That is a really, really, really uh, huge loss for the Giants. I was counting on him to be the playmaker for this defense. He's got to be out for a while, and Julian Love's going to have to take his place. This is a big year for Julian Love, the fourth round pick of uh, in two thousand eighteen in two thousand nineteen to prove himself. My overall record for this team, I am going to go seven and nine. I think I'm, the reason I'm picking seven and nine is I don't think Jump Jones is going to make the jump. That people that you that usually that second year quarterbacks usually make be due to the pandemic, and I think the defense isn't better than average. So I'm going to go seven and nine for the Giants this year, finishing in third place. Justin, yeah, I, I get the Giants a five eleven, but I could see this team definitely getting the six or seven wins. Um, I heard Jason Garrett's going to put some RPO stuff, little RPO mix in there for for Jones, which will be interesting to see. Um, so going back to your family problem, he better you know hopefully he did you know. Again, work on holding on the football. Um, he's running. That's gonna that's gonna be an issue. Um, I definitely think Logan Ryan is definitely an upgrade for your second for the secondary. I loved Xavier McKinney. I was hoping he was gonna fall in New England um, with that thirty eighth pick or whatever you know that we had. Unfortunately, he didn't. Um, I loved watching him at Alabama. He's gonna be a phenomenal player when he gets healthy. Um, 
And then your boy Matt Parrott. The I heard he's I heard he's looked pretty good in camp right now. Right? Yeah, the two two t- the two tackles. I forgot to talk about the offensive line. Yeah, I mean the strength of the line is going to be the the two guards with Zeitler, one of the best guards in the league. Will Hernandez has to have a better year. And yeah, the, the two the two tackles are going to be starting this year. You got Andrew Thomas, who they chose to take with the fourth round pick. He's going to be starting at left tackle, and then you got uh, Matt Pert starting at right tackle. So the offensive line is probably the biggest weakness for the Giants, and it needs to be addressed in the draft. And I'm happy now. I wanted them to take Isaiah Simmons, but I'm happy they addressed it now due to notes they sold dropping out i'm happy they now took andrew thomas the offensive line is gonna be a question mark for the giants though but it's young and as and could and could emerge by the end of the season yeah it definitely could and that's what you know i i, I have them with five wins but i could definitely see them getting six or seven um but again i like i like joe judge um and going kind of back what you said with belch you know um kind of the personality what he did yesterday you know Dive, you know, go diving for a football and the, the sprinkler. Like Bill would never do that. I feel like he is. Again, I obviously I haven't met him and I haven't heard enough of his interviews and stuff to to say for certain. But he seems like he's kind of got his own personality. Because I would never, I you never see Bills do something like that. So, you know, I, I think he's gonna come in here, get it, you know, have his own personality. Yes, yeah, I hope, I hope he does. As a Giants fan, I absolutely hope he does, and I hope he does big things for this organization. I hope he's a coach for the next 10 to 15 years. But we'll go to the rest of the NFC East, and I got the team who I got predicted to win the NFC East, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. I got them winning the division at 10-6. and six. Yes, people are going to say, oh, yeah, well, they have a new coaching staff too, but the staff too. But the difference is, is Kellen Moore is back as offensive coordinator, and that's going to help Dak Prescott and what that he has. I think Dak Prescott's going to have a good year. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a good year. I think on the offensive line, it's still one of the best offensive lines in the game. Very good left side with Zach Martin and Lyle Collins. I think uh, that uh, that the, the, the right side is a little bit of a question with Connor Williams and Tyron Smith missed a bunch of games. Center is going to be a question mark because Travis Frederick retired. They drafted Tyler Blaisdell in the fourth round, and they got Joe Looney as well. So, so the offensive line is still one of the best in the games. The receiving core is really good with, with Cooper, Lamb, and uh, Coop, Cooper – uh, Lamb and uh, and Gallup. Gallup had over a thousand receiving yards last year. On the defensive side, that's that that is the issue. That's why they're not top, they're they're the best team in the NFC East, in my opinion. They're not a top five team in the NFC, and a big reason for that is their defense. I think uh, at Ed Rusher, they lost Robert Quinn. They did sign Everson Griffin. Big loss though is they uh, they lost Malik Collins. They replaced him with Gerald McCoy, but he tore his ACL. At linebacker, uh, Jalen Smith is really good. Van Der Esch has to have a better year than he did last year for the Cowboys. Uh, he was he was very good in 2018. He struggled in 2019, missed seven games, and uh, he did not play well against he did not play well, especially against the run uh, last year. And in the secondary, their biggest loss obviously was Byron Jones. Byron Jones was a huge was a was a big loss for this team. He ended up signing with the Dolphins. They really did replace him. They brought back uh, Quandre Diggs uh, in the secondary, and their biggest move in the secondary was getting hot Clinton Dix, but. Because of how good the Cowboys' offense is, I'm going to take them to win the NFC East at 10 and 6. Justin. Yeah, I got them win the NFC East. I got them at 11 and 5. I think this could be one of the best offenses football with the four wide receivers they're going to have lined up out there. Um, and then you add Ezekiel Elliott. And then, as you mentioned, too, they still have one of the best offensive lines in the game. So it's going to be really tough to slow these guys down. Um, I think on the defensive side, losing Byron Jones hurts. McCoy going down with an injury. They added Griffin. Um, but something last day, you know, they only had 17 turnovers forced last year. They got to be able to, if they can force some turnovers, create some even shorter fields for the offense. 
Um, it, again, it, it goes a long way. Um, it, it's been, um, you know, I think their defense is decent. It, it's not great. You know, they lost some pieces. Definitely need Bandress to be healthy this year. That hurt them a lot, I think, last year. Uh, bringing in McCarthy, too, will really, I think, really helps. Um, and big, you know, obviously everyone knows big contract year for uh, Dak Prescott. So if he wants to prove he's worth it, you know, um, he better show because they got all the pieces around for him. And I think this is a Cowboys team that goes 11-5. Coming in second place in the NFC East, I got the Eagles at nine and seven. They got the best quarterback in the division in Carson Wentz. Uh, but the problem is he can't stay healthy. We know those 2017, 2018 playoff runs, he was hurt. Uh, 2000, in 2019, he got hurt in the playoff game against Seattle as well. Uh, the, the offensive line has got some question marks. They lost Brandon Brooks and Andre Diller for the season. Jason Peters is going to move back to, to left tackle. So I think this offensive line takes a step back. And the biggest, uh, Zacher, they do have Zacher, still their best skill guy. He's the, one of the best tight ends in the league. But to me, the biggest reason why the Philadelphia Eagles missed the playoffs this year is their skill, is their wide receiving core. Alshon Jeffrey has been a disappointment since he's been in Philadelphia. Uh, Deshaun Jackson has trouble staying healthy. And Jalen Rieger is already out three to four weeks. So their receiving core for me is the biggest reason why the Eagles won't make the playoffs. On defense, uh, their front four is really good with, uh, obviously, Fletcher Cox, second-best defensive tackle in the game. You got uh, you got Brandon Graham. Uh, they did get Javon Hargrave, who could stop the run. The problem, though, with the Eagles, another reason why I think they're going to miss the playoffs is their back seven. Their linebacking core is weak. They did get Darius Slay, and all these Eagle fans are excited about it. This guy is not – we're not talking Taylor Ramsey or Stephon Gilmore here. He quit on his team in Detroit. He's a good quarter, not a great quarter. And when things when things go south, he's going to quit. I got the Eagles finishing 9-7, and seven, missing the playoffs. I got the Eagles at 10 and six, finishing second in the division. Um, def, you know, they definitely need the wide receivers to stay healthy. That's been a huge issue. And I know they drafted Jalen Rieger. Um, unfortunately, yeah, he's already down with an injury. Um, they spent 33, over $33 million in the interior um, defense and then $14 million on pass rushers. So they're really making an effort, I feel like, this year to get to the quarterback. Um, especially because last year too, they lost the you know, the secondary is banged up last year. Um, they have Slay, which helps. Um, but I think you know they got to be able to get some pressure on the defense, or I mean, on the quarterback, and to have success. Um, and, and they got to stay healthy. I know Boston Scott really emerged because even the running backs last year they got hurt. Pretty much everybody around that offense got hurt. For the Eagles, if they can stay healthy, uh, I feel like they they have a shot to make a run. But if not, it's going to be another struggle. They did win four games down the stretch. I know it was, you know, all division games. I know they swept the Giants, Cowboys, and, and Washington. Um, but I, I think this team has a chance to compete. They definitely have a chance to get the one, the uh, top spot in the FCs. They just, I think the big, big thing is just staying healthy and staying, keeping their starters on the field. Finishing in last in the NFC East, I got the Redskins finishing four and twelve. Dwayne Haskins going into his second year, but just like Daniel Jones, he's going to have to deal with a new coaching staff and an unusual off season. So that's why I don't think he makes a huge jump in year two. And and the skill guys don't help. You got a thirty four year old Adrian Peterson at running back. You got an offensive line that lost Jason Peters. Thank God they franchised Perrin and Sheriff because they avoided. A disaster on the offensive line, and really, they don't really have any skill guys outside of Terry McLaurin. So their offense is not is not looking good. The only positive for the Redskins is, the, is their front is their front is their uh, defensive line. It's one of the best in football, and it got even better drafting Chase Young with the number two overall pick. You also got Ryan Kerrigan, my Ioannidis, and Montez Sweat on that offensive line with the two Alabama guys on the interior, Deron Payne 
and uh, Jonathan Allen. One of the biggest uh, wild cards for this Redskins team is how's Ruben Foster going to play. He was really good in 2017, uh, 2018. He ended up being released by the Niners due to domestic violence. 2019, he tore his uh, ACL and MCL. And so that's a, that is going to really determine how that Redskins front seven is going to be, how they're, how they, how, how Foster plays at the second level and the secondary for the Redskins is one of the worst in football. Their corners are terrible. They, they, uh, they, they, they got rid of Josh Norman and Quentin Gumbar. They're, 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 they're two starting corners last year as, and, and as we all know, as Giants fans, Landon Collins is really good as he gets a run, but he really struggles in coverage. So we got the Redskins finishing in the last place at four and 12. Yeah. I got him at three and 13. I think this is a team, um, they're going to play a lot of ugly, low-scoring games. If their defensive line can get to the quarterback, I think they can hang in some games. I just They just don't have the offense. Again, how much longer you can keep um, having AP, you know, be, be your lead back. They, I know they just had to release Darius Grice, Geis that hurts, um, but I guess, he, you know, he hasn't really stayed healthy. Um, I like, you know, I like the new kind of staff here with Ron Rivera. They're getting rid of guys who do not want any part of this organization. They got rid of Dunbar. They got rid of Trent Williams. Um, they got rid of Norman. So the culture is changing. They got the right guy in the, in, you know, at the helm here. Um, but I, you know, they're still a couple years away from, you know, competing. They need, they need some more weapons for Dwayne Haskins because it's, it's tough to kind of judge him when he, he doesn't really have a, a lot around him. In the NFC North, I got the Green Bay Packers winning the division despite the dysfunction in the organization. I mean, Aaron, you all know Aaron Rodgers is not happy with drafting uh, Jordan Love in the first round, so that's going to cause some dysfunction. But as we all know, Aaron Rodgers is still a top five to top ten quarterback in this league, even though he's regressed a little bit. Uh, in the run game, Aaron Jones is a really a good running back, a solid running back. They got it. Obviously, they got uh, – Devont, they got Devontae Adams, one of the top receivers in football. But the problem is the rest of the receiving core is weak outside of him with Alan Lazard and Martez Valtez Scantling. Then on the offensive line, I think they are they're going to be good. They got one of the best, probably the best pass protecting left tackle on David Bautieri. But uh, they did lose Brian Balaga to uh, the Chargers, and Ricky Wagner replaced him. That's a downgrade there. On the defensive side of the ball, I like their defensive front. I think Kenny Clark is one of the most underrated defensive players in the game, and he got and he got paid last week. And uh, I like their two edge rushers with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Linebacking core very weak. Uh, they're, they're, that's definitely the weak with the weakness of their defense. In the secondary, they definitely have potential with uh, Zari Alexander and uh, Darnell Savage. But I have the I do have the Packers winning the division at ten and six, and the reason for that is is just the play of Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. You, you can't go against Aaron Rodgers, and their pass rush is really good. So that's the reason why I got the Packers winning the division. Justin, yep, I got Packers as well. I got them finishing up at eleven five, seven one improvement from a year ago, um, bringing in the new staff, and they're eight and one as well in one score games. So they're able to win close games last year, which always helps. Um, they drafted uh, London's AJ Dillon as a running back. I heard he's looked pretty good um, running the football so far. Again, they still don't understand why they didn't add any receivers to this team, um, which is interesting. But again, if they could stop the run, this is going to be a really, really good defense. I just don't think they're gonna be able to do that. Um, I, I think that's kind of where they're going to struggle at times. But this is a you know. Again, you got, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers still, still your quarterback. So, uh, you know, he'll uh, still be putting up yards, numbers. They should be fine. And I think they win this thing at 11 5. 
In second place, I got the Vikings at nine and seven at quarterback Kirk Cousins. We all heard his comments about COVID. We'll, 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 we'll take those with a grain of salt. But the thing about Kirk Cousins, the weird part of him is in early games and in games that mean nothing, he's he looks like a top five quarterback in the league. He looks like a top QB. But in these big primetime spots, he looks absolutely terrible. And it's been a constant for Kirk Cousins. Yes, he did win that one playoff game last year, but still. You can't call this guy a top 10 quarterback. I don't care what his stats say. He's just so bad in big games. He's still a good quarterback, but he's not a top 10 quarterback. Uh, in the run game, you got Dalvin Cook, who had a great year last year. But the issues with him is, is, is health. Can, can he stay healthy? That's a question with him. At receiver, the big loss, losing Stephon Diggs. They drafted Justin Jefferson in the first round to try to replace Diggs. Uh, Adam Thielen, he was great from he was great for the, the three years previous and from 2016 to 2018. But 2019 had a down year and he was hurt, so we'll see what kind of production they get there at receiver. And the offensive line is below average. And that was, if you saw that playoff game against San Francisco, they got completely whooped up front. The O line is a below average offensive line, and that's probably the, the biggest reason why the Vikings offense could struggle at times, and probably the biggest reason why I think they can end up missing the playoffs. On defense, they got a top five defense in the league. They just traded for Yannick, Yannick Nkdakwe. They got him on the other side with Daniel Hunter. Those are two really, really good edge rushers, uh, rushers. They got one of the best linebackers in football in Eric Kendricks. He was really good. If Anthony Barr could get back to what he was, that linebacker core could be it could be outstanding. At safety, they got two the probably they got the best pair of safeties in the NFL with Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. The issue, though, is the cornerback position. They lost three corners this year. They lost Rhodes. They lost uh, Alexander, and then they lost Waynes. They got Jeff Gladney and uh, and uh, and uh, Hughes from USF. They got to be able to replace those guys. Those, those So corner is definitely the biggest weakness of the Vikings defense. But the reason I will have the Vikings missing the playoffs is Kirk Cousins isn't big, good in big games, and the offensive line struggles and the quarterback position. So I got the Vikings 9-7 and seven missing the playoffs. I have the Vikings 10 and six, and I do have them missing the playoffs as well. Um, and through the first six years that Zimmer has been there on the even years, they have missed the playoffs and on the odd years, they've made the playoffs. So if history has, you know, proved itself right, it, you know, they, they'd miss it this year. Um, but I, you know, if you got, they don't have digs anymore, which is, which hurts. Um, again, what this defense is going to be so good, but, Again, so if the offense could, you know, if Cousins can, again, you know, if it's a one o'clock game, you know, I bet with the Vikings all day long if it's a one o'clock game. But if not, um, it's a struggle for Kirk Cousins. And if he can play better in that, um, then they definitely have a really, really good shot. Um, Again, they lost a lot in secondary. I think, you know, got a little better. But getting a dock way this weekend, you know, again, it's, you know, Two two great pass rushers, um, and I you know again I just think the offense isn't going to have enough to be able to. Um, I think the off you know often if the offense can carry itself, then the team definitely can win a vision. If not, and they kind of lean on their defense, it's it's going to be a little little bit you know it'll be tough to try to get a playoff spot and a congested NFC. We got in the uh, NFC, uh, NFC we got in third place, I got the Bears at 5-11. and 11. The big story is going to be is who's the quarterback going to be. Is it going to be Mitch Trubisky or is it going to be Nick Foles? And I think, you know, what, what Trubisky brings to the table is he's he's mobile. He can make plays with a bad offensive line. So that's the benefit of having Trubisky. And the benefit of having Nick Foles is he's, he's not mobile, but he knows Matt Nagy's offense and knows the verbiage of that offense. 
I, because he was in that scheme and he's been in Andy Reed, he's been with Andy Reed previously too. So he's, he knows that scheme pretty well. Even though Trubisky knows the scheme per, pretty well, the scheme might not be a fit for Trubisky. The scheme is a fit for Nick Foles. But I think if you're the Bears, you got to start Mitch Trubisky because you can't give up on your, the guy you, you passed on for Patrick Mahomes and uh, Deshaun Watson. You, if you're the, if you're the Bears, I think you've got to start Mitch Trubisky. And then if he plays bad, then you go to Nick Foles. But if you look at the rest of the offense, it's kind of still a mess for the Bears. Uh, their offensive line is not good at all. Their run game, they have David Montgomery is going to be out there. Run game is going to struggle. And then really, their only really good skill guy on offense is Allen Robinson. So the off, the, the overall weapons for the Bears are not helping them either. The, the offense around Trubisky or Foles is not going to help them either. On defense, they have one of the top defenses in the league. That's the reason why I have them winning, winning five games. I mean, Khalil Mack's one of the best defensive players in the league. They'll get Akeem Hicks back, who missed 11 games last year. He played really well in 2018. At linebacker, they got two decent linebackers in Roquan Smith and uh, – uh, and Danny Trevathan. And then in the secondary, if Eddie Jackson could get back to what he was in 2018, he's one of the top safeties in the league. This defense could be in the top five. So this defense is really good. But for how bad the offense is, that's why I got the Bears finishing in third at five and 11. Yeah, I got the same record. I would love him finishing in third place. Um, they Last year on the ground only averaged 3.7 yards per carry, which is the worst since 2007. I don't expect that to get much better because their offensive line gave up 45 sacks last year. So, um, and I don't think they really now did, did a lot there. I don't think it should be, you know, much better. Um, again, this is another team that's going to have to lean on their defense to get wins. Um, I'm with, you know, who, who starts at QB? Is it Trubisky? Is it Foles? Um, again, I don't think it makes much of a, you know, it'll make a little bit of a difference. Um, but yeah, they don't have any wide receivers. They have the 10 tight ends on the roster. Um, it's kind of just a, a mess in Chicago. Their offense is not great. And I think they go five and eleven. Finishing in last place, I got the Detroit Lions at four and twelve. I mean, I think right now Matt Patricia should not be a head coach in the NFL. He's a, he's, a, he's probably one of the worst coaches in the league and should have been fired last year, along with the general manager Bob Quinn. They both should have been out of a job last year. At quarterback. What am I getting from Matthew Stafford? That's the problem. I mean, yes, there's years where he looks like a top 10 quarterback, and there's years he looks like a, a quarterback that's in the bottom half of the league. I don't know what I'm getting from Matthew Stafford. That's the that, that's the problem there at quarterback. At running back, the problem, they did draft DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson. If they stay healthy, they could be really good. But, but the key is, is can uh, Kerryon Johnson stay healthy? He missed 14 games in his first two years, so Kerryon Johnson can't stay healthy. Uh, on the offensive line, they're average. I mean, they lost uh, they lost Graham Glass out of the Broncos in free agency. They did lock up Taylor Decker to a long term deal yesterday, and Frank Ragno is a pretty good center. Uh, at receiver, that's the strength of this team with Kenny Galladay is one of the one of the top ten receivers in the game, and Marvin Jones is a good receiver as well. On the defensive side of the ball, this is this is a problem. And that's another reason why Matt Patricia should be fired because his job is to fix this defense. And this defense was one of the worst defenses in the league last year. At Trey Flowers is their best pass rusher. He only had seven sacks last year. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. At at linebacker, outside of Jamie Collins, who could be very versatile in this defense, he could play he could play uh, defensive end. He could play linebacker. He's gonna be very versatile. But outside of that, it's a disaster. Jared Davis has been a total bust at linebacker. Where they did improve though is a corner. They got Desmond Trufat from Atlanta, who's a pretty good corner, and they drafted Jeffrey Okuda with the number uh, with the number three overall pick. But that's not good enough for this defense to improve that much. I think this defense is still going to be a below-average defense. You don't know what you're getting out of Stafford. That's why I got the Lions finishing four and twelve in the NFC and landing in last place in the NFC North. Justin. Yep, I got them fourth, finishing three and thirteen. Again, if their offense, if their offense stays healthy and offense again can carry this team, I think they can get four to five wins. I can give them. I'll give them a couple extra, but 
Um, until I see that, there's just no way. Um, with the defense, they were 31. They were 31st in the league last year um, in yards given up a game and 26 in points given up. So they really struggled in that aspect. Um, they signed a bunch of New England. I call them New England North now because it seems like every guy we don't yeah, no, yeah. find. All your rejects go up there. Oh, because yeah. Because Bob yeah. Quinn used to be with you guys, yeah. Yep. Patricia uh, brings them back and, you know, brings them back in, you know, to Detroit. Um and again, I don't think that's really going to pan out. Um, I like the Swift addition because yes, Johnson's not has not been healthy, um, but he's been limited to practice though. So who knows how healthy he's at at the moment? Um, but if this offense, I think this offense has potential to pull up some points. I just don't think the defense. I think the defense is going to give up twenty five, you know, twenty five, twenty six, and I don't know if their offense consistently can score twenty eight to thirty points a game and have this team be. Um, in somewhat a playoff conversation. I don't think that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, Patricia's probably not going to last. Um, but it sounds like he's probably not going to last if they don't make the playoffs this year. Uh, absolutely not. Going from one former Patriot to another former Patriot, go to the AFC, NFC South, and my winner in the NFC South is the New England is the uh, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just said the Patriots because of the quarterback, and the biggest reason why, obviously, is because of Tom Brady. I still think that Brady, yes, he's not a great quarter, he's not a great quarterback anymore, he's a, but he's still a top ten quarterback, top five, top ten quarterback in the league. Major upgrade over Jameis Winston, and with this roster, I still think. And look, this roster and these receivers, I think he's going to have a big year with Mike Evans, who is the best receiver Brady's has had, has had since Randy Moss. You got uh, Chris Godwin, who is also a great receiver as well. Gronk is back. They got OJ Howard uh, at tight end. Uh, the offensive line is uh, uh, average to above average. Good in the interior with Ryan Jensen and uh, and Ali Marpet, and uh, they did draft Tristan Tristan Wirfs in the uh, in, in the first round. Uh, in the run game, I think it could be average with the combination of McCoy, uh, Vaughn, and uh, McCoy, Vaughn, with uh, McCoy, Vaughn, and Ronald Jones. On defense, uh, this front seven is one of the best in football. People don't talk about how good this front seven is. They were number one last year in stopping the run. Uh, Vita Bay, a really good run stopper. Sue, not the player it used to be, but a really good run stopper. And then the big question for this for this defense is, can Shaq Barrett have the year he had last year? If, they, if he does... This team is going to be a force to be reckoned with because he had 19 and a half sacks last year, and they didn't even give him a long-term deal. He's got to now he's got to now earn it again. Uh, you look at linebacker; they could. I mean, Devontae Davis is one of the best linebackers in the game. Uh, you look at a uh, Devin White; he he could be an emerging star in this league. And even in the secondary, where they struggled, they drafted Antoine Winfield in the second round, and they got Carlton Davis, who played better at the end of the year last year. So I got the Bucks going 13 and three and winning the NFC South, Justin. I got them. I got Tampa going 11-5, finishing second place in the NFC South. I think the second again, definitely potential to win 13 games with that offense. Obviously, I'm the second, but I think the secondary could hurt this team a bit, and that's why. Again, if they're if it also if they're pass if they're pass rush, they can get to the quarterback. Then you know this is going to be a very scary team. I think the secondary hurts them. A, a bit, and I think that's kind of why I have them here at eleven and five. Um, but yeah, Brady's got a lot of new shiny toys here that New England they could not get him. Um, and, and and I'm interested in Gronk because I heard Gronk too last year um, was working out like a bodybuilder, not really as a football player anymore. So it'll be interesting if he can stay on the field again. They still have OJ Howard and Cameron Britt though, so again they they still got uh, two very good tight ends behind him. And 
Wider again, and hopefully they do not sign Leonard Fournette. Um, to them that that will be very even even more scary to watch on offense. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be. It is still weird watching Tom Brady videos right now in Tampa uniform. Um, still have not gotten used to that, and I don't know. Probably take me a lot longer to get used to it. But I think this team definitely has potential to get the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay. So Brady trying to be the. Uh, Tampa Bay is trying to be the first team to play in their home stadium in the Super Bowl, and they're looking for the first division title since 07. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's going to be weird to see Brady in another – it definitely is weird to see Brady in another uniform. But I got the team I got finishing second in the NFC South. That's the Saints going 12-4. and four. Best roster in the league, in my opinion. It looks like they're going to get things worked out with Alvin Kamara, too. With him and Latavius Murray, they got a good running game. Drew Brees, yes, they went 5-0 and without him. Don't forget that. I don't think he's an elite quarterback, but he, still get the, he can still get the job done. They got one of the best receivers in the game, Michael Thomas. You got Emmanuel Sanders on the other side now. And they got one of the top offensive lines in football. Probably the best uh, tackle combination in the game with Tyron Armstead and uh, – and, uh, Ryan Ramchak. And then on defense, they got one of the best head rushers in uh, Cameron Jordan, a linebacker, one of the top linebackers in uh, Demario Davis. And they got one of the top corners in Marshawn Lattimore and got a good, uh, got a, uh, a, a good uh, safety in Marcus Williams. The only reason I have them not winning the division is I think right now, Tom Brady is better, clearly better than Drew Brees. So I think the Bucs got the better quarterback, but I think the Saints have the best roster in football. They're going to go 12 and four and they're going to get one of the wild cards. Justin. I got the Saints winning the NFC South for fourth straight year, finishing at thirteen and three, same record they had last year. Um, again, now again, um, they added Manny Sanders, the number two, to a better number two than uh, I think it was like Ted Ginn last year was their number two. So, um, so they added another weapon for him. Um, drafted center in the first round, so it's um, Tiza Ruiz in the first round. The defense too, you know, that was always a problem, you know. Couple years ago, because their defense could not stop anybody, but that's not the case anymore. It's a really good defense, and um, again, really kind of helps all take some pressure off Breeze. And I think I think uh, New Orleans to be able to, and I agree with you too. They have the best overall roster in the NFL, and I, I just think that combination again. I think Breeze wants one more chance at a ring, especially the last two years of how they've lost in the playoffs. Um, I think they, you know. I think, you know, Drew Brees got something to prove, and I'm going to take the Saints going 13-3. In third place, I got the Atlanta Falcons for the third year in a row going 7-9. and nine. Matt Ryan, I still think he's a good quarterback, but he's getting up there in age. He regressed last year. He's not a top-10 quarterback, but I still think he's a good quarterback. I think, obviously, Julio Jones, one of the, still the best receiver in football. Calvin Ridley still a very good receiver. Todd Gurley's coming home. He's coming back to Georgia to play for the Falcons, but I think they're they're not getting. But I don't think they're getting the Todd Gurley with the Rams uh, on the offensive line. They're below average. I like Jake Matthews. He's a not a great tackle, but he's a good tackle. But the problem is that back is regressed, and they're very young on the right side. On the defensive side of the ball, they did sign Dante Fowler. Uh, he's a good pass rusher, not a great pass rusher. They do have one of the best uh, defensive tackles in the game. Game in, uh, in, in Grady Jarrett, uh, Deion Jones at linebackers is, is the best cover linebacker in the game. But the major issue with the Atlanta defense is that secondary. That secondary is absolutely terrible. They lost Desmond Trufant. They're awful at corner. They retched for A.J. Terrell in the draft. And at safety, Keanu Neal, their best player, he's he's only played four games in the last in the last uh, th- two years. So I got the Falcons finishing seven and nine, and it will probably be the end of end of the line, end of the line in Atlanta for Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrioff. Justin. Yeah, and it seems like every year Arthur Blank kind of gets to that point where, you know, he kind of 
right you know kind of starts you know saying oh uh, yeah we need we need to start getting better uh, or you know we're, we're gonna make a change and you know they start rolling they finished six and two last year i heard neil too i was looking i guess his knee injury is still lingering so they don't really know at this point if he's gonna miss week one or not um even one of their um I guess even Malcolm Davidson or Marlon Davidson too, I guess is banged up right now as well. Um, and that's not a good sign for a team that's been banged up the last few years, it seems like. And I think this team has, if this team can put it all together, I know that, and I heard in the secondary too, they're, I guess AJ Terrell has looked really good at camp from what I've heard. What on Falcons.com, dude? Come on. I would have heard. Um, that's all, you know, what I've heard. It sounds like he's looked good in camp right now. But again, I just think injuries have always hurt this team. And I think it's going to, you know, it probably it's, you know, yeah, hopefully it doesn't affect them. But I think if everybody can stay healthy, his offense can get rolling. I think this team definitely kind of has a chance to. Um, get a wild card spot. I just don't know if they're going to put it all together. Coming in last place in the NFC South is the Panthers at three and thirteen. And yes, I'm going to. They're going. I'm going to have to hear. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater went five and zero last year with the Saints. Here's the thing: the Saints have a much better roster than did the Panthers. And if you look at some of the wins Bridgewater had, one of them was ten nine. The other one was thirteen to six. And then they, they scored less than. 20 points in three of those wins. And so, but, and he's, 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 he is a game manager. He's going to be playing in a lot of obvious passing situations. He's playing He's going to be playing Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees twice a year. So you're playing a lot of good quarterbacks. He's going to be in a lot of obvious passing situations. So I, I do think that this team will be competitive. I like the weapons on offense. I like McCaffrey. I like, uh, I like uh, Robbie Anderson. I like uh, DJ Moore. So I think this team will be competitive. I think this team will put up some points on offense. But Bridgewater is not a quarterback that's going to bring you back from two scores to win a game. And on defense, they are extremely young. I mean, Derek Brown, Yutter Gross-Mentos are on their offensive line. Obviously, Brian Burns, too. At linebacker, they lost Luke Eakley. He retired. I mean, uh, Shaq Thomas is a decent linebacker. I'm not a great linebacker. And the secondary, they're pretty much a disaster outside of Trey Boston. So looking at this defense, it could be one of the worst in the league. And looking at a quarterback that can't bring you back from two scores down, that's why I got the Panthers finishing in last place at 3-13. and 13. Yeah, I got him in last. I got him going two and fourteen. Um, I think too with this very because they drafted all defense. Matt Rule is really um reinventing this whole defense here, and without any of these offseason activities and really just starting to get going a couple weeks ago together, um, I think that just hurts chemistry wise, and I think that's just it's gonna hurt. Um, this defense is really really gonna struggle as you with these quarterbacks there in, in this division. You're gonna have to face Brees. Twice you're gonna have to face Ron, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady twice, so um, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be interesting what Joe Brady does with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, again, this this the, uh, offensive line last year as well gave up a league leading 58 sacks as well. Um, so you know it's gonna be interesting what Joe Brady does with Teddy Bridgewater. They got a couple of good weapons. I know that you know um, with Samuel, but obviously McCaffrey. Um, at running back, I just say it's going to be a long year for Carolina because it just seems like I like Matt Rule. Um, again, I liked him, in co- you know, in college. I don't – again, it's different league now, so I don't want to say for certain. But, again, I think he's a guy that can con- can get them going in the right direction. But, obviously, it's, it's going to take time. 
Of course you like Matt Rule because he's, he's a college coach. I know why you like – I definitely know why you like Matt Rule. But we are going to get to the uh, NFC West, and we'll start with the team I think is going to win the division. That's the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they got one of the top quarterbacks in, in the league in Russell Wilson. Really good run game with Chris Carson, Rashawn Penny, and Carlos Hyde. Uh, they got a potential stud at receiver in DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's good receiver. The issue with their – with their uh, offense is their offensive line, though. Dwayne Brown is past his prime, and, and that offensive line is probably going to struggle this year despite how many good weapons they have around it. On the, and on the defensive side, it's the same thing. Their, de- their, their defensive line is really, really going to struggle because they didn't re-sign uh, uh, J- J- Jadavion Clowney, but their back seven is going to be really good. They got one of the best linebackers in the game in, uh, in Bobby Wagner, and in the secondary, they added Jamal Adams, who's one of the best blitzing safeties in the league, so that's going to help for their pass rush. And they also got a couple underrated guys in that secondary with Quandre Diggs and Quentin Dunbar and Trey Flowers. So I think because of how good their offense is and how good their back seven is, it's weird to take a team with uh, that is bad on the defensive line and bad on the offensive line. I think they're going to be really good, but I think they're so good in the uh, the other areas of these teams are so good that I think I got the Seahawks going 13-3 and and winning the NFC West. Yeah, this is where yeah I I I got them finishing at second, going ten and six, and I think a big reason why is the line on both sides. Again, Russell Wilson can create his own plays. Um, again, uh, he can create you know he can fix a broken play and do all that. Um, I don't know you know um, I think at times he won't be able to. There's gonna be times. Um, the secondary is really good, so I think even you know if they can't get a pass rush, they, they got a lot in the secondary, which helps. But yeah, I think they struggle on kind of you know of trying to get to the quarterback, especially some of the you know um, they have face Atlanta week one, which has some weapons. They got they, you know they got New England and Dallas at home, but um, so three very good offs. So we'll see what that defense to be tested early. I just think they're going to struggle on that side. But offensively, Russell Wilson's thrown four um, for the four out of last five years. He's thrown for over thirty touchdowns. Contract you for Chris Carson. So, um, uh, I, again, I, I think he'll have big, big year on the ground. It helps out play action, having Carson in the backfield. Um, but I, I got Seattle going 10 and 6. I could definitely see them winning 11, 12 games. In second place, I have the Niners going 11 and 5. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, the guy has played really well since Kyle Shanahan, as they traded for him in 2017. Run game with Shannon as a coach is obviously going to be good with Mostert and uh, and uh, Coleman. Uh, Kittle, the best tight end in football. One question mark of the offense is going to be that receiving core. They lose Emmanuel Sanders. They draft Brandon Ayuk. Is he going to uh, have the same production as Sanders had last year? And the offensive line is really good because of the two tackles. They traded for Truck Williams, and Mike McGlinchey is a really good tackle, too. On the uh, on the defensive side of the ball, it's coming into the season, this is the best defensive football. Biggest reason why is because of this defensive line. And even though they lost to Forrest Buckner, they got Joey Boza coming back. They got D Ford. They got Eric Armstead at linebacker. Yes, uh, uh, Fred Warner is hurt, but they still got Quan Alexander. It might be the one small weakness of that defense. And then the secondary, they're really good with Jimmy Ward and uh, Richard Sherman back there. I think the Super Bowl hangover hurts this team a little bit, but I still think they return to the playoffs and get a wild card and go eleven and five. Justin. I got them winning the division at twelve and four, and you know, only once since nineteen ninety six, there's the there's been um from the uh, uh since nineteen ninety six, there's only been one one time that both Super Bowl um teams from a year ago have made the um have won their division again, and that was two thousand seventeen with Carolina and Denver. Um, 
So I think it, it out of the two, out of them and KC, I think this, you know, if the Niners would be the more likely one not to win the division. Um, they returned 20 and 24 starters from their defense, or I mean, from the whole um, starters. They, you know, 20, um, they returned 20 starters from their um, Super Bowl team last year. I heard Jimmy Ward, they say, finally looks like the playmaker that, they, that they've that they been looking for on defense since they drafted in the first round. Um, and they drafted Javon Kinley as well, who I like up, up the middle, um, plugging that defense. So I think the Niner team that could go 12-4, and four, definitely worried about a Super Bowl hangover. But I think this team's, I, you know, what I was reading, this team is hungry to get back there, and they thought they should have won last year. Um, so I got them going 12-4. and four. Coming in third place in the West and making the playoffs, my surprise team, I got the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray, I think, uh, makes a jump from year – he was the offensive rookie of the year last year. He makes a jump from year one to year two. They had a great, made a great trade going out and getting DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, that's by far his best weapon on offense. Larry Fitzgerald is still there. Kenyon Drake showed potential at running back last year. He showed that he could be a, a good running back. The only issue with the offense is their offensive line. They did lock up DJ Humphreys and draft Josh Jones, but their offensive line is a question mark. Even though I think the offensive line isn't as important as it used to be, I still think that uh, that that uh, that 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 the. Uh, that Kyler Murray will have a really, really good year. On defense, they drafted Isaiah Simmons in the first round. I think that he he will uh, he, he he's, he's going to be a, a playmaker for this Cardinals defense. Chandler Jones obviously had a great year for the Cardinals defense on the back end. Hicks is good, so was Buda Baker. And then they need a better year out of Patrick Peterson at, at corner. He didn't play well last year after he was suspended. So I got the Cardinals w- winning the uh, – no, no, Cardinals coming in third in the uh, – in the NFC West, going ten and six. Again, I'm finishing third at eight and eight, and I think this is definitely a team we can make the wild card. And I think we're gonna find out a lot about Arizona through week two through five. They got Washington, Detroit, Carolina Jets. So if they can go four and zero right there, um, you know they'd be looking pretty good. I think the thing that hurts this team as well um, is that. They get no preseason games to get kind of um, Hopkins and Murray down or, you know, kind of chemistry-wise. I think, you know, that hurts a bit. And this defense, too, last year gave up 402 yards a game. Can Chandler Jones do what he did last year and have nine sacks, 19 sacks? Um, I love Isaiah Simmons. Pick. You put him anywhere on the football field uh, on defense, and, you know, he's a good player around there. I like what they're building in Arizona. I think they are one year away, but I would not be surprised to see them sneak in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, they're, they are my surprise playoff team in the uh, NFC. And finishing last, I got the uh, Rams. And, yes, I think this is going to be better than their record. I mean, Eric Goff is still a pretty good quarterback, uh, but they're, and they got a good receiving core with, uh, with Cooper Cup and uh, – and Robert Woods. The issue, though, is the offensive line that has really regressed. It really regressed last year and the run game. They've got a rookie running back, uh, Cam Akers, starting. On defense, they got two of the best players in their position in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But the rest of the defense is a major question mark on the on the edge. On the edges, they did get Leonard Floyd, who didn't play that well in Chicago last year. Linebacker is very weak, and the rest of the secondary is very weak for the Rams. So I think this team is better than their record, but because of how tough the NFC West is, I got the Rams finishing in the last at 5 and 11. Justin. I got him at seven and nine. Um, you know, Goff coming off his worst year, pass rating wise, eighty six point five, sixteen interceptions was a, a high form. So they're looking for a bounce back year for him. Um, I like Cam Akers drafting him out of Florida State. Um, I like watching him. 
217, um, big back. And I think Corey Littleton's a huge loss because he was their leading tackler on defense last year. I think that's a really big loss to this Rams team. And, you know, a couple years out, you know, from being in the Super Bowl, I think, you know, 7-9, um, kind of tall. And a very good division, as you mentioned. Uh, I think they finished 7-9. Um, now I could see them go 8-8 eight and eight if things go together, if they can stay healthy, but I'm going to go 7-9. We will go to the AFC. And before I get to my, you know, AFC's champion, I got we got to talk about the Patriots. And, you know, the Patriots lost Tom Brady, but they brought in Cam Newton. Uh, but here's the thing with the Patriots. Their, their offensive skill guys are not good. When you're relying on a 33-year-old Julian Edelman to be your best skill guy, that is not a good sign. Nikhil Harry did not have a good rookie year. Sanu was not good. When he when he uh, when he played for them last year, and in the uh, and uh, at running back, you have uh, Sonny, Sonny Michelle, who had a rough year last year too. And on the offensive line, I still think it's a good offensive line, but they uh, they they uh, the Marcus Cannon opted out. But and on the defense, they they suffered from opt outs too with uh, with Dante Hightower and uh, Patrick Chung. Uh, they lost Jamie Collins and uh, Kyle Van Noy on that defense. That front seven is very shaky, even though Bill Belichick will make them better than they are. But the secondary is the biggest strength. Stephon Gilmore, the best corner in football. You got J.C. Jackson, who's a good corner. Devin McCourty is a good safety. You got the other McCourty brother, too. So I don't think their defense will be as good as last year, and their offensive skill guys won't be as good or not good. Even though Cam Newton, I think, has a good year, not a great year, I still got the Patriots missing the playoffs and going 8-8. Eight and eight. I got them at 9-7, sneaking in as the 6th seed, I believe, 6th or 7th seed. Um, I think... And Cam Newton is definitely the start. I know you heard, but in the scrimmage the other day, I guess they had Brian Hoyer. It was planned to go down with an injury so that they throw uh, Jared Sim on the field, kind of, in a situ- you know, in an emergency situation. Um, so, I, so again, I know Bill won't release that information. You know, he won't say who the starter is, but it's definitely Cam Newton, which doesn't surprise me. Um I heard Damian Harris has looked good, but I know he just got hurt. Um, David Andrews back. At center, I know, you know, with Cannon opting out, I know you had mentioned opt-outs. That hurts. I call this offensive weapons. It's it's the land of misfit toys pretty much. Pretty much besides Edelman. Um, but, again, how much – you know, he, you mentioned he's 34. How much more can you get out of Julian? You know, and that's what worries me. Harry, I really need to step up. I heard some news look better this year in camp. Um, and, you know, I know they're obviously looking for – Harry to take that next next step as a number two receiver. Um, again, we'll, we, you know, running back wise, again, White they still got him on third down passing situations. Um, again, hopefully Sony Michelle can stay healthy this year. I like Dalton King coming as he can play tight end or he could play the fullback position. Not more blocking wise, he's not going to run the football, but more blocking wise, I like that addition. But again, I just. You know, it's nice that it's great to have Cam Newton as a quarterback because it kind of gives, it kind of helps um, with how bad, what most of our weapons are. You kind of got to take a linebacker and kind of watch Cam. Again, I don't know how much running they're going to do with him, but it, it kind of helps. I'm not expecting, an, you know, a 2015 Cam Newton to walk through this door and play well, but I think, and I think also with Bill Belichick. I think, you know, especially with defense side and all the opt-outs, I think they're going to – Bill is going to be able to out-coach some teams and be able to get the, this this team to get to 9-7. and seven. 
you know, I heard too, like Dewan Bentley supposed to be wearing like the green dot on defense this year. And I, I like, um, he's got like 39 careers tackles. That's about it. You know, like it just, again, and you know, um, I think this team go nine and seven going second in the division. And I think they sneak in the playoffs. Coming in my division winner, uh, is the Buffalo Bills coming, uh, uh, going 10 and six. And I think a big reason for that was just Josh Allen. I think J- Josh, this is the year where Josh Allen needs to be decent. The Bills need to know, is he going to be the franchise quarterback of this team? Is he, is he going to be that guy? And that's the year where the, he needs to show the bills that he's going to be that guy in the run game. I like it with Devin Singletary and they drafted Zach Moss. Uh, those two run, they got those two running backs. Like their running game is going to be good. I think uh, the, what their biggest addition was was at wide receiver uh, trading for Stephon Diggs. They also got John, uh, John Brown and uh, and Cole Beasley. The offensive line is their one uh, issue of that of that team of that offense. I mean, with uh, Deion Dawkins is a good player, but the rest of the offensive line it, it's a struggle. So that offensive line is below average. So that's going to be the one issue with that offense. I, on defense, I think this has potential to be a top three defense in, in the league uh, with Jerry Hughes. They got Mario Addison. They got Ed Oliver. They drafted. They got Tremaine Edmonds. And their secondary is outstanding. Got one of the best corners in the league and, and uh, Tredavious White. And they got uh, two pretty good safeties in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And they got Josh Norman, too. They, they signed him in free agency. So because of their defense, their coach, and, and, and their skill guys in offense, I think they have the best roster in this division. I think they win this division going 10-6. Justin. Yeah, I get Buffalo 11-5 and taking over the division. Um, adding digs really helps as well. Even like Beasley and John Brown had pretty good years for this team, you know, because those were like the one and two guys last year. I thought they played pretty well. Um, they're kind of making them more often. They get two now. Um, kind of fits for Josh Allen. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think, you know, again, really weapon-wise, the only kind of um, – is the tight end the only kind of weakness of that you know the skill position is tight end with uh Dawson Knox and that's you know that's about it and then defensive wise as you mentioned too they there's not too many holes on that defense there's not you know it's it's going to be tough to be able to put up consistently you know 20 you know 24 points somewhere around there against this defense they're going to be tough to score on and I think offensively as well as if their offense could just be consistent um, again, they don't need to put up 30 points a game with this defense, but I think, you know, I, I think the Buffalo team 11 to five and they had, you know, they have the potential to go 12 and four big year for Josh Allen too, to show he belongs. Coming in third place, I got the Jets at six and ten, and I would have them worse than this if it wasn't for Sam Darnold. I think that uh, he still has a chance to be a really, really good quarterback in this league. But the problem is this roster is probably the worst outside of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to need Bell to have a bounce back year, and if him and Frank Gore could be good, that's definitely going to help the. Uh, that's definitely going to help the Jets offense. The issue though is 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 at receiver. The J- the Jets did draft Denzel Mims, but they uh, they got rid of Robbie Anderson and. They didn't draft Jerry Judy in the first round. The reason they didn't draft Jerry Judy, though, was because they wanted to improve their offensive line, and they did They did draft Mekhi Becton with their first pick. Their offensive line really struggled last year, but they made a lot of moves to try to make it better, uh, getting getting Mekhi Becton, making a couple other small moves in, in free agency to try to make that offensive line better. On defense, they've had two huge losses, C.J. Mosley opted out for the year, and they obviously traded Jamal Adams. They're going to need Quentin Williams to really, really step up for this team. For, uh, for this defense, because at linebacker, at backer, they're very shaky. At edge rusher, they're very shaky. At corner, they're very shaky. 
and uh, at safety, really outside of Marcus Mather, safety too. So this is really one of the worst rosters in the NFL outside of the Jaguars. The only reason I like him to go six and ten is I really like their quarterback, Sam Darnold. Man, Justin. you love Sam Darnold, don't you? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, wow. Uh, I got him three and thirteen. I again, I think Sam Darnold could be a good quarterback in this league. They don't really have a ton around them. And I was looking at their depth chart last night. The top, you know, like Crowder, Perryman, Hogan, Mims, and Smith are all injured right now. So, um, which is not a good sign for him. And I think defensively, this I know Adam Gay said too. They, you know, he he's up. You know, he's you know again. He he admitted he should have used Le'Veon Bell in much better. You know, much more last year. Again, that could definitely help the offense with using Le'Veon Bell more. Um, it kind of opened things up, maybe defensive wise. I know when they got um, they traded away Jamal Adams. They they they're really high on Bradley McDuel, who they got from Seattle. Um, we'll, we'll see. And I'll start in week one. I just think this team just has a lot of um, – I, I just think offensively they need, like, a true number one. Like, James Crowder is not a true number one. And I think that's kind of where they struggle. And then you also lose C.J. Mosley for the year. Um, so I, I think this Jets team is really going to struggle, and I think it to be 3-13 and 13 year for them. Coming in last, I got the Miami Dolphins. They're one of the toughest teams to predict because you don't know who their quarterback's going to be. It's a, it, it, I know they're going to start with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but when is Tua going to take the field? That's going to be the, the big question for the Dolphins. So that And looking at their offense, their run game's a little bit improved, getting Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. The receiving core, really outside of Devontae Parker, is not good. And they have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL the Dolphins, but they did draft Austin Jackson this year to try to improve it on defense. I think they made some really, really good improvements. I think, uh, you know, getting Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson is going to improve their pass rush. Christian Wilkins needs to step up in that area. Their linebackers are weak, but I do think they got the two best, the best pair of corners outside of the Ravens in the NFL with Byron Jones and, and, uh, and uh, Xavier and Howard. So they got two really good corners there. Safeties are a little weak, but I do like this coach. I think this team's going in the right direction with Brian Flores. I just think with the with who with the with not knowing who the quarterback's gonna be and the roster still developing, I got them going six and ten. I got them at seven and nine and finishing at third in the AFCs. This is a team I could definitely I could I could see this team win eight or nine games if things go right for them. Again, they are young. Um Patrick's gonna probably start. Um we'll see how for how long. You know, they, they did a lot, yeah, you mentioned defensively, which I like, and I like I love Brian Flores. Um, I think he'd be a terrific head coach. Again, we saw last year going up to five for a week 17, knocking on New England. Um, still stunning, but I think, you know, and then they also got um, Preston Williams. You know, he kind of – he stepped up last year, um, kind of be a number one guy. Um, they still got Parker, and then, you know, got, got Howard and Matt Breida as well. So I think there's a Dolphin team that has potential and they're hoping that two is the first, fr- first franchise quarterback since Dan Marino. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening there. So we'll go to the NFC North and we got the Ravens winning the division. Obviously you got Lamar Jackson, you got the run game. Ingram might be getting a little old, but you got, you drafted JK Dobbins uh, at receiver. That was their biggest weakness, but I think Hollywood Brown is going to improve for them. And then the offensive line, they did lose Marshall Yonda, but Ronnie Stan is one of the, Probably the most complete uh, tackle in the NFL. On the defensive side of the ball, they traded for they really imp- they improved trading for Calais Campbell. Uh, they obviously got Matt Judon. They drafted Patrick Queen, and they got the best pair of corners in the NFL with Marcus Peters and Merlin Humphrey. 
I got the Ravens looking at this roster. It's a really good roster. And they got a really good quarterback. I got them winning the division at 12 and four. Justin. Yeah, I got them at 15 and one. Um, again, I just, you know, and one of the big reasons why is they don't have to get on a plane after week two when they play Houston. And I think, you know, again, it's a lot less travel and all that. I think, you know, Houston ball rested. The only kind of downside is with all this, you know, um, with everything that, you know, is going on this offseason, if teams have sat and, and just tried to watch the Ravens offense and try to figure out ways to slow them down because then, I, I you know, I could definitely see them um, going, you know, 12-4 and four or something like that. Um, again, but defensively, they upgraded with Campbell um, and Derek Wolf. I like I, – I think out of the running backs that were drafted, I think J.K. Dobbins could be the best of them. Um, I really like, I love the way he runs. Um, and you know, I, I love Patrick queen and, and Malik Harrison, her entire interior pass rushes they drafted as well. So I, I think the Baltimore team goes 15 and one if all goes right. Coming in second place. I got the Steelers going nine and seven. Yeah, Big Ben is back after missing most of the season last year. Uh, the, uh, you got the issue with those, I think some of his, uh, weapons on offense, uh, with, with, uh, James Connor and, uh, he can't stay healthy. You got Benny Snell. They've drafted Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane, so that running game's been a question. Juju will be back. I mean, he'll have a big year with now with having a good quarterback. And, and but you got Deion Johnson and uh, Deontay Johnson and James Washington who could struggle as well. Uh, you look at the offensive line; they're getting old. They got four stars that are in their thirties, so that's that could be a struggle there. But the reason I got the Steelers being one of the wild card teams is because of their defense. I think their defense is is one of the top defenses in football. You got you got one of the best head rushers in TJ Watt. You got uh, you got Cam Hayward. You got Stephon Tewitt, a good run stopper. You got Bud Dupree. You got uh, Devin Bush, who's one of the best cover linebackers in the game. And their secondary is good because they traded for Micah Fitzpatrick last year. So I got the Steelers going nine and seven, being one of the wild cards in the AFC. Justin, I got them at eleven and five. Um, and the word I've been here and watching everything is I heard Big Ben looks thin, he looks healthy, and he looks good. He's throwing the ball well. Um, I heard Eric, you know, I heard um, um, Vance McDonald say, you know, he loves the addition of Eric Ebron to the t- tight end position. Um, he said it, you know, just compliments well. Um, Joe Hayden, um, is I guess been raving about uh, Claypool, who they drafted. Um, so, it, you know, I, I think, yeah. I know the Steelers are aging, but I think they can make one last run at this thing. I think they can go 11 to five. Um, you know, it, again, I do worry about the weapons outside of Juju and it's a contract year for him too. So, you know, he's going to be proven out there. Um, look at, you know, having hopefully, you know, a good year and I can see, I think the Steelers go 11 five. Coming in third, I got the Browns at eight and eight. There's a huge year for Baker Mayfield. Are we going to get the Baker Mayfield of 2018 or the Baker Mayfield of 2019? I think he might struggle uh, this year uh, in 2019 because of because of the new coaching staff. Uh, uh, with Kevin Stefanski, I think, with an unusual offseason. I think a big thing they have to do is they got to run the ball with, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think the offensive line uh, improved getting Jack Conlon and then drafting uh, Jedrick Wills. Uh, and obviously the receiving core is really good with uh, 
with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and they got uh, David Njoku at tight end. Defense, I really like their defensive line with uh, Olivier Vernon and uh, Marcus Golden. They obviously got Sheldon Richardson, too. Linebacker, though, the back seven is a little bit of an issue. Linebacker is weak, and really, they really only got one good player in their secondary because they lost Grant Delpit this week. It's Denzel Ward. I, I'm going 8-8 eight and eight for the Browns this year. Yep, I got the Browns as well at 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, They need a better year from Odell. I know Odell wants to pick it up only four touchdowns last year. It's going to be interesting to see Baker because I think, you know, Sassanfi's offense is going to be a lot more um, under center. And Baker really hasn't done that. So it's going to be interesting, especially as you mentioned with the offseason, with all the the COVID issues and not being able to um, preseason game. So I think that hurts a bit. But their schedule is much easier this year than it was last year which helps, but again, I just think they go eight and eight. I think they're still another year away. Um, I like the addition at tight end position, but I, I still think they, you know, they're going to be eight and eight. Coming in last place, they got the Bengals at five and 11. Obviously they drafted Joe Burrow with the number one pick. They're going to be a fun team with their weapons on offense. You got obviously Joe Mixon, uh, AJ Green, even though he's been missed 29 games in the last four years, you got Tyler Boyd and they drafted T Higgins in the second round. Uh, they're wrong. They, but the problem is their offensive line is one of the worst in football. Even though they got Jonah Williams back, they still have one of the worst offensive lines in the game. And they also have one of the worst defenses in the game. Even though they got DJ reader, uh, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, their line's pretty good. Their back seven is absolutely terrible. And that's why they're one of the worst defenses defense in football and i got them five and eleven finishing last in the afc uh, north yep i got them finishing at three and thirteen and last i think too you know you're playing in such a good nfc or i mean afc north division that it's going to be tough to beat any one of those three teams and i um again i think too with you know everything that's going on off off season all, missing all the off season activities i think it hurts joe burrow a bit because he cannot really get you know Again, with um, chemistry-wise with Green and Boyd and Higgins who they draft the second round, um, I think that hurts a bit, and they kind of get off to a slow start. I think you know, with the line, too, I think it's going to hurt them a bit. Um, if Burrow's under pressure a lot. So I, I think, you know, they add a couple more pieces in the draft and offseason on the line um, and defensively in the back, backside and secondary, all that. Then I, you know, definitely can see the team contending in you know another year or two. But I, you know, again, offensively, if they could stay healthy with the weapons, they can definitely win a few more games. Um, but I just think, especially early, they're really going to struggle. Going to the AFC South, and we'll start with the team I got winning the division. That's the Titans. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is above average quarterback, but I still think he's good enough to win the division. When you have a running back like Derrick Henry, who had a great year last year, and you got a receiver like A.J. Brown, who had a really good year last year, too. Uh, I, the offensive line did lose Jack Conlon, but they still got uh, Roger Stafford and uh, uh, Taylor Lewan. Uh, on defense, I like some of their guys on defense. I think Jeffrey Simmons could be could be really good. He can emerge. I like Harold Landry. I like Javon Brown. They got a good secondary too with uh, Kevin Byer and uh, Dory Jackson. But mainly, they got the best coach in this division. That's how the and that's the reason why I got them winning the division at ten and six. So I got the Titans winning the division at ten and six. Justin. Yep, I got them at ten and six as well. Getting the division, they didn't lose much besides really Jack Con- uh, Conklin on the offensive line. Um, pretty much everybody's back. I like the receiving core. Um, obviously Derrick Henry, the way he ran, especially in the playoffs, was great. Tannehill looked he looked um good when he took over for Mariota. Um again, being the defense be able to do enough. And I think, you know, again, I think you know the Colts have some pieces, Houston obviously, but um 
Hopkins being traded away. I think, you know, definitely a winnable division for the Titans. I think they'll be able to do that at 10-6. Coming in second, and one of my wild cards is the Texans, and the biggest reason by far is Deshaun Watson. He's a top-five quarterback in the league. He is outstanding. But the problem with the Texans, why I don't have them really get out of the first round, is the rest of their rest of their team. I mean, they did that. They made a terrible trade, uh, getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason, couldn't get a first round pick for him. I mean, their best receiver, Will Fuller, can't stay healthy at all. Uh, they run. They really don't have a running game now. That they, that they didn't resign Carlos Hyde, and they got and they got uh, uh, David Johnson. Their offensive line outside of Laramie Tunzel is, is not good at all. On defense, uh, J.J. Watt's a great player, but he's missed over 30 games in the last four years. Uh, linebackers are okay with Broderick McKinney and, uh, and Zach Cunningham. And the secondary, I said, Justin Reed is not good at all. So the biggest reason why I got the Texans making the playoffs is, is, is uh, two words, Deshaun Watson. Justin, next. Yeah, um, I have him 8-8 eight and eight missing the playoffs, and the only reason I have him at 8-8 eight and eight is because of um, – yeah, um, Watson. I, I think if they did not Watson, this could this would be one of the worst teams of uh, football. Um, you know, they again like Brandy Cooks now is their number two wide receiver. Again, he's a good, but again, he's getting up there. He only had two touchdowns last year. Um, David Johnson again. It, you know, I'm not expecting it, but you know, two three years ago, before he tore the ACL, had a really really good year. Um, but again, I just don't know how much you can expect out of him. Obviously. You mentioned Watts just missed so much time. Um, you know, that I, I just think this thing goes eight and eight, mostly just because of Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, and I, I think they, they also have a pretty tough schedule to go through as well, which I think hurts them. Um, again, you know, thank God they have Watson or things would be much worse in Houston. They better go off to a hot start or Bill O'Brien will lose that locker room immediately. Coming in third, I got the uh, Colts going seven and nine. They bring in Phillip Rivers. They get on a one-year deal. Uh, the, 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 the reason why – I really like the Colts roster, though. The roster. I don't like Rivers, but I like their roster. I mean, they got the, one of the best offensive lines in football. You know, I'm not – Big fan of the offensive line like you and the Keys Bros are. Uh, they got they drafted Michael Pittman and they got T. Y. Hilton, so they got a good they got a good receiving court. I really like the pick of Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack on the defensive side of the ball. I like that they traded for uh, Darry, the Darius Leonard and uh, they got Justin Houston. No, I mean they traded for uh, De- uh, DeForest Buckner and they got Justin Houston, one of the best linebackers in the league. And Darius Leonard. I love the secondary, but I really like this roster. But the biggest reason why I think. The Colts will go seven to nine and not make the playoffs. Is Philip Rivers? He's a below-average NFL quarterback right now. I think they get nine seven. I think they get decent enough play for um, Philip Rivers that he sneaks them in as a seven as a seven seed in the AFC playoffs. Um, I like Jacob Eason too that they drafted, and most likely, you know, Rivers is going to be kind of um, the you know be his mentor. I like that pick. So you know, we'll see a couple years what happens. They need T.Y. Hilton to stay healthy as well, I think, to have a chance. Um, Jonathan Taylor, solid with Marlon Mack. You got two solid, uh, three solid running backs right there. Um, again, I think weapons wise, they could, you know, they need guys to stay healthy. I like the pick of Michael um, Pittman. Paris Campbell didn't stay healthy last year. And so I think they have three decent receivers they can stay healthy. They're off, their D line is really, really good. I think, the, you know, it helps that they can get pressure on the quarterback, make it, you know, make a tough day for, you know, whatever quarterback they're facing. Um, it takes some pressure off that secondary. I think they can sneak in at nine and seven, but really, really good roster. 
Coming in last place, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars at 2-14, and 14, and Doug Maroon should have been fired after last season, and so should, so should have David Caldwell. When you have five, when you have your first five uh, first-round picks that are all top five picks, they don't even make the rookie deal, you shouldn't have a job. This place, this team is a disaster. I don't mind Gardner Minshew. That's the only reason I have him in a couple games. I think he's an average to below average quarterback. He tailed off the second half of the, half of the year. Obviously, we know they traded Leonard Fournette and uh, Yannick Ndokwe this week. They really have one skill guy in uh, DJ Shark, and then on defense, relying on young guys like uh KB on chase and josh allen and uh cj anderson so i got this team going two and 14 last place in the afc south yeah i, I got him at one and 15 um now after one and four night guy we see the other day there is no more starters from that 2017 afc championship team that's crazy yeah um yeah and that and it seems like a young Kind of building it, it seemed like you know they had something going and it just all fell apart before their eyes and they're ranked 26 on offense. I love Gardner Menchu. I just, again, I just don't think there's a ton around him now, um, which hurts. And I just think, you know, them just tank for uh, Trevor Lawrence at this point. I think that's kind of what they're doing. But you can see the culture change. It Guys don't want to be on the roster. They're not going to keep them, which it, it is a good sign. But they got a lot of work to do. Justin, Doug Marone and David Caldwell will be out of a job after the season. They'll have a new head coach, new GM, and Trevor Lawrence at their quarterback. That's the way the Jaguars are going to be in 2021. But we'll go from the worst team in the NFL to the best team in the NFL, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, you look at the Chiefs, obviously you got Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and, and Travis Kelsey. I mean, really good weapons. Edward Solaire, I think, is going to have a big year. He's going to improve a running game. That was their, one of their big weaknesses on offense last year. I think that's going to be even improved. So I think the chief offense is going to be even be better than it was last year. I think the offensive line, good at tackle, but struggles on the interior. So that's the weak, That's the weakness of their offense this season. On defense, they got you know Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones on the defensive line. Back seven, outside of Tyron Matthew, is an issue, but... When you got the best quarterback in the league, you don't have to, your defense only has to be, you know, average. And you saw that last year with the Chiefs. They were an average defense. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So I got the Chiefs winning the winning the AFC West at 13 and 3. Justin. Yeah, I got them 12 and 4. Um, yeah, they should be able to win this division. Um, their defense, again, I know, you know, it, it was better last year. They only gave up 15 points a game. And there's only been one time in Mahomes' is, you know, uh, two years of being a starter that he did not score get 16 points. So, um, again, if they're giving up 16 points a game, this team's going to be fine most nights. So, or pretty much every night, they'll be fine. Um, again, just adding Clyde Edwards to a layer, I loved watching LSU. KC fans are going to love this guy too. It, it just uh, um, it just makes his offense even more, even tougher to stop. And, you know, I there's just, again, I could definitely see the team um, going back once again in the Super Bowl and just, you know, beginning of the dynasty in Kansas City right now because uh, it's a good roster. Yeah, very good roster. Coming in second in the division, one of my surprise teams as well, just like the Cardinals in the NFC. I got the Broncos as my surprise team in the AFC. Drew Locke was 4-1 and one as a starter last year. I really like their weapons on offense. With Corlin Sutton, they drafted uh, Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. Uh, in the running game, I like them in the running game with Melvin Gordon and uh, Philip Lindsay. Offensive line is the weakness of that offense. You know, it's an average offensive line. Garrett Bowles has to have a good year this year. He got his fifth year option rejected. Uh, they, they they did sign uh, Graham Glass now from the uh, from, from the Lions and uh, 
Jamar Dotson is going to play right tackle because Jawan James opted out on defense. I think this defense can be a top 10 defense. As we know, last year they had four games where they had a lead in the fourth quarter. Didn't hold those lead leads lead. A big reason for that is because they didn't have Bradley Chubb. He got, he, he got hurt in week four. Oh, they with Chubb and Miller. I think they got a really good pass rush. Alexander Johnson's a very underrated linebacker. Uh, uh, in, the, in the secondary, they got, you know, Justin, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson and played well at safety. The corner is a little bit of an issue. That's the weakness of this defense, but I still think this defense has a chance to be a top 10 defense. I got this team going to the playoffs and going 10 and six, Justin. I am nine and seven. Um, I just have them missing out of the playoff spot because I have New England beating them. So in the head to head thing, New England knocks them out. Um, I think, and I think big reason, I think slow start could definitely, um, once again, with just, again, not getting all the reps and having preseason games, I think could hurt chemistry-wise with all the new receivers that um, that they got for um, Drew Locke. I, I do like him. I do like Drew Locke. I think John Elway finally found his quarterback that he's been searching for in Denver. They got Melvin Gordon. They got A.J. Bouye in a trade. Um, I And, again, how, you know, now with Pat Mahomes locked up for the next decade, how are you going to beat Casey in the division? You're going to have to be able to score with Kansas City. And Denver's doing a good job of building towards that. And I think next year, um, add a couple more pieces. And I think it's a team that could give them a, you know, can battle them for a division. Uh, in third place, I got the Oakland Raiders at five and eleven. This is a huge year for Derek Carr. I mean, right now, I think he's a you know average to above average quarterback. Uh, you look at the weapons. Josh Jackson is Josh Jacobs is one of their best players on offense, uh, and Darren Waller's really good too. Offensive line, good to above average. The issue, though, is the receiving core. Uh, Tyrone, Ty, uh, Tyron Williams, he's on, I, on IR. And uh, H- Henry Ruggs, I would have taken Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb over Henry Ruggs. I, I think he's Henry Ruggs is good, but he was, definitely wasn't the best receiver on his team at Alabama. Uh, on defense, I think this team is going to struggle. I think, you know, Cleveland Furl is a he's a bust uh, being the number four pick. I think Max Trasby plays hard, but he's not a he's a good player, not a great player. Uh, their best player on defense is Corey Littleton, and they got Rienzi. I think he's a really good linebacker. But in the secondary, I think they're going to struggle. I think they retch for Tavon Mullen and uh, Damon Arnett the last two years. Jonathan Abrams got potential, but he's coming off an injury. So with their defense being very shaky and Derek Carr not being better than probably above average, I got the Raiders finishing in third going 5-11, and 11, Justin. I know you got him better because all your family are Raider fans. Yeah, I got him 7-9. My brother's still not happy. He's so, he thinks they can sneak in the wild card. I He's always optimistic, though. He's always very optimistic about his Raiders. But um, I got him 7-9. and nine. Um, and you know, I hear they're going to use, they're going to throw deep a lot with rugs run for, I heard look very good. I heard Brian Edwards look good. And they said, uh, Zay Jones is the most underrated wide underrated wide receiver in the league. That's stop, stop. Just, just stop for too much about Zay Jones. Just stop. Just stop. I don't want to hear about Zay Jones. Just stop. And I, cause I think they're going to use him with a deep ball. I think they're going to oh, okay, okay. go deep a lot. And I think that's why defensively, I think it was a great pickup that they got Corey Littleton. I love Jonathan Abram. I remember, uh, hard knocks, you know, uh, when John Gruden had to sit him down and tell him, you know, when his teammates were mad at him cause he was hitting everybody so hard. Um, you know, I think that's a great, uh, guy to have at, at safety. Um, but I, I think Vegas goes seven and nine. Um, I think losing Williams hurts, but, um, yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to go seven and nine for, you know, yeah, definitely a big year for Derek Carr as well. 
Finishing in last, they got the Chargers going 4-12. and 12. They got big – they had really sad news this week. Derwin James is out for the season, one of their best players on defense. That is a huge loss for that defense. And obviously, you know on that defense, Joey Bowles is not a sure thing to stay healthy, too. And look at the rest of the defense. Uh, they did get Kenneth Murray. They are pretty good in the secondary with uh, Casey Hayward and uh, – and uh, Chris Harris, but the the issue is uh, now with their defense not being as good as they thought they were going to be, and that and I thought they were going to be a top ten defense. Now they won't win as many games as I thought they were going to win early in the season, which is probably they're probably going to end up benching Tyrod Taylor and forcing Justin Herbert into action, which could be a problem for them. Their offensive line is very shaky, even though they got Brian Balaga. Uh, running back Austin Eckler is a very good receiver, but he hasn't proven he could consistently run between the tackles yet. Their one strength of their team is receiver with uh, Keenan Allen, who's one of the best in the game, and Mike Williams. Mike Williams is hurt as well, too. So with the injuries and forcing uh, Houston, in, uh, I mean, Herbert into action too early, I got the Chargers finishing and last at 4-12, and 12, Justin. Yeah, I got him 4-12. and 12. Darren James is, yeah, that that really hurts. Because I think that, that defense, too, had potential to be a top-10 defense and steal them some games. But unfortunately, now nah, it's not – going to happen most likely. So um, I think it's going to be a long year for Charger fans once again. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, Eckler, yeah, they extended them, but got to be better between tackles. Can um, Henry stay on the field, Hunter Henry stay in the field this year? Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Herbert still, you know, needs some development here, but more than, you know, more than likely they're probably going to throw him into action, which I think is going to hurt. Um, Commons wise, I, it's gonna be a long year for the Chargers. So we'll do our picks for the playoffs, and I'll start with mine in the in the NFC. I'll do mine in the NFC and the AFC. Then I'll do Justin's in the AFC and the NFC. Then we'll do our Super Bowl pick. In the NFC, I got in the wild card. I got the number two seeded uh, Buccaneers, and so it's up on the ticker. Number two seeded Bucks beating the Cardinals. The number uh, six seeded in the 49ers beating the uh, Cowboys. Number three seeded Cowboys, and then I got the number. Uh, five-seeded Saints being the number four-seeded Packers. In the divisional round, I got the number one-seeded Seahawks being the number six-seeded Niners, the number uh, two-seeded Bucks beating the number uh, five-seeded Saints, and in the NFC Championship game, I got the uh, the number uh, one-seeded Seahawks being the number two-seeded Bucks. In the AFC, I got the uh, number two-seeded Ravens being the number seven-seeded Texans, the number three the number six-seeded Steelers beating the number three-seeded Titans, and the number four-seeded Bills beating the number five-seeded Broncos. And in the divisional round, I got the uh, number one-seeded Chiefs beating the number six-seeded Steelers, the number two-seeded uh, uh, Ravens being the number four-seeded uh, being b- seeded Bills. And in the AFC Championship game, we got the number one-seeded Chiefs being the number two-seeded Ravens. And before I do my Super Bowl pick, we'll get Justin's playoff picks. All right, so I'll start with the NFC and the first round. I got San Francisco knocking off seven-seeded Seattle. Um, then I got three-seeded Green Bay knocking off six-seeded Philadelphia. Um, I got four-seeded Dallas knocking off five or the five-seed. I got, I mean, I have Tampa Bay knocking off the four-seeded Dallas Cowboys. Um, and then I got the New Orleans Saints as the one-seed. Knocking off Tom Tom Brady and the Bucks at the five seed. Then I also I have San Fran knocking off Green Bay once again. Green Bay the three seed. Um, NFC Championship game. I have Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints getting back to the Super Bowl. Um, on the AFC side, I have the two seeded KC, the Kansas City Chiefs knocking off Indianapolis the seven seed. Um, I got the three seeded Bills knocking off the six seeded New England Patriots. 
I got the four-seeded Titans going down to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the five-seed. Um, in round number two, I have the five-seeded Steelers knocking off the one-seeded Baltimore Ravens. Um, and then I have the two the second-seeded Kansas City Chiefs knocking off the Buffalo Bills. And then I have Casey knocking off Pitt in the FC Championship game. My Super Bowl prediction, ding, ding, ding. I got the uh, Kansas City Chiefs repeating beating the Seattle Seahawks. Justin. Um, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints knockout KC. I, I think Drew Brees wants one more, and I think he's hungry for one. So you got the best roster beating the best quarterback. I got the best the, the best quarterback beating the second best quarterback. So it should be a fun NFL season. It kicks off in eight days. We'll be previewing week one here next week. But we got to get to college basketball, and we got some coaches that passed away. Uh, unfortunately, we have the passing of John Thompson, Hall of Fame coach at the age of 78. Uh, was the coach of Georgetown for 27 years, won the 1984 national, led them to the 1984 national championship, led them to the 1982 and 85 national championship games. We all remember that national title game between Villanova and Georgetown. He passed away at the age of 78 uh, on Monday. Uh, sad. I mean, he coached, uh, he coached uh, Allen Iverson, Alonzo Mourning, and, uh, and Patrick Ewing. And what he did in the inner city community, in the, uh, in the inner city communities was just outstanding. Just a legend in college basketball. Unfortunately, he passed away at the age of 78. Yeah, um, very unfortunate. And actually, today was supposed to be his 79th birthday as well. So um, it's pretty sad. Um, but, yeah, he was the first African-American coach to win a college basketball uh, national championship um, that he 14. And um, something, too, he was just four wins shy of 600. And, you know, Always defend his players in front of the media. Whenever the media kind of uh, said something bad about his players, always defended them. Um, again, I um, think it was 85 um, when he came out. Um, you know, and this was kind of this funny, kind of silly side. When he came out in the sports jacket and that they're playing St. John's and he, and he takes it off and he's at the Lou Karnasaki uh, sweater on. Uh, that's a you know, funny memory for me. Um, watch videos of that again. He he built Georgetown into a national brand, coached four Hall of Famers in his time. Um, and he always kept a deflated basketball on his desk, and it was kind of symbolized to his players that you're not going to be able to dribble basketball forever, you're always going to have another plan. So that was always kind of, um, you know, to get your degree and you know, and to have another plan besides the game of basketball because you're not going to play it forever. Absolutely, absolutely. And unfortunately, we had the passing of another coach last week, another legendary coach. That was Lou Olson. I mean, he led the uh, led the Arizona Wildcats to the 1997 National Championship over Rick Pitino in Kentucky. And he led them to the National Championship game in 2001 and lost to Duke. But another great coach. It was a coach at, uh, at Arizona for uh, 25 years. Another great coach, unfortunately, lost last week. Yeah, you know, two legends, John Thompson and Lou Olson. Um, 46 career tournament win for Lou. Um, you know, and that was kind of point guard you for a while with all the point great point guards they had. Um, and that 97 team that won the national championship, the only team ever to knock off three number one seeds. So, um, he developed a ton of talent and really back then too, when he took that job, the only really brand out there was UCLA and he turned Arizona into a new brand, um, and competed with UCLA year in and year out. And, after his first year, Arizona did not make the NCAA tournament. You know, his last, um, you know, 
23, 24 years, you know, 24, 23 years that he was at Arizona. They made the tournament every year. Um, 780 career wins as well. Pretty remarkable. Um, great, great, you know, um, yeah, another another tough loss in the sport, college basketball, you know, and a tough weekend. Another great guy. It absolutely was. But we're going to shift over to college football, and we got some news yesterday about the Big Ten, and uh, the Big Ten, uh, unfortunately, uh, now is thinking about playing college football now. I mean, that's that's the weird part of it, because Donald Trump met with Kevin Warren, and uh, Donald Trump, they, they say, and they're saying, we're on the one-yard line. What one-yard line are you on? The one towards the goal line or the one in your own territory? What one-yard line are you on? So, that's that's the that's the that's the really interesting part of it. And obviously, I heard a source from the Dan Patrick show that said they're thinking if they could pass all the safety procedures, they might start uh, October tenth. You don't know what to believe from the Big Ten now. They've just been all over the place with the situation. No, you know, and actually, one quick thing just before because it just came out: Aroldo um, Chapman's getting a three-game suspension, Boone's getting a one-game suspension, one-game suspension, and Kevin Cash is getting a one-game suspension. All Yankee de- race. All deserved for for their actions. All deserved, in my opinion, for their actions. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, def- definitely agree there. And um, going back to football, yeah, um, Big Ten, yes, this was um, a weird you know, weird thing. Now, he did not do this with the Pac-12, and I think it is a little bit of politics in this. Yeah, oh, yeah, because be- – because you got th- you got all six of those state six of the states in the Big Ten are swing states: Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio, and Michigan. Oh yeah, and, and so that that's why I did it because somebody asked a Big Twelve guy and he's like, nope, nope, uh, Donald Trump has not, uh, you know, not said anything about calling us. So um, it'd be interesting again because it, it worked out for Central Arkansas. Austin P looked at this weekend. It was not bad. We'll we'll see. It look again. I'm more and more confident that this is going to turn out. Um, that it's, this is going to work and they're going to be able to have the college football season. And I, I think big, the Big Ten pulled the plug too early. And, you know, there's a lot of parents upset. They're, and, again, it's not all, you know, um, and it's a lot. It's kind of because the Pac-12 more really, it's really the only fan base that's really, really passionate about college football is USC. But, and that's really been about it. I'm kind of surprised not much Oregon, but um, Big Ten, yes. It's very interesting to see what they're doing. Um, but yeah, who knows if they're on their own one yard line about to score a touchdown or they're, they still got 99 yards to go. I don't, I don't know, but it'll be very interesting to see them start in October. Absolutely. And then we got one other one big time player that opted out, uh, Jamar Chase, one of the top wide receivers in the draft. Uh, he, he, he opted out. I mean, you saw Micah Parsons opt out too. So you've seen top guys opt out. Now what for safety precautions? I think that's just the reality of what's going to happen this year. If you play college football. Yep, and um, LSU too. Miles Brennan, who was supposed to be their college, their starting quarterback this year, opted out yesterday along with four other starters. They're down to, I believe, at the moment, six starters from last year's national championship wow. team. And yeah. usually, on average, it's about ten to sixteen. So um, uh, it's you know LSU is going to really come back down to earth this year. And also, just kind of breaking too, Georgia's uh, quarterback, Jamie Newman, just opted out. And he was – Wow. I was high on him um, moving over to Georgia. So, JT Daniels is probably going to get the starting gig. So, it's, 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 it's Florida's year in the – this is Florida's year in the SEC East. Well, I don't know if you heard. JT Daniels is transferred in. He got um, from USC, and he got the uh-huh. waiver. So, he's eligible, though. So, they, they still got a uh, pretty good quarterback behind them. Um, but it doesn't surprise me to see all these guys opting out. 
Um, USC, UCF got, I think, op, you know, 10 guys opted out yesterday as well. Um, not surprising. It's it's going to happen. You can't blame any of these guys. But Jamar T- Chase, why risk it? You're going to be a top five pick, maybe even a top three pick. Why risk something happening or something happening to your family? Um, you know, you're going to make millions of dollars next year. We'll wrap up the show talking about the Kentucky Derby, and that'll be on Church- in Churchill Downs on Saturday. And listen, I follow horse racing three days a year, so I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, a horse racing expert. I mean, I look at the odds. Uh, it obviously looks like Tis the Law is the favorite, three to five odds. Uh, Honor AP in second with the five to one odds, and then Authentic in a third with eight to one, eight to one odds. So it'll be fun to watch the Kentucky Derby. I'm excited for it. You know, we get it got postponed in May due to the COVID-19, but it's coming back this year, and I'm excited on Saturday to watch the Derby. Yeah, you know, it's fun. It's always a um, fun fun race to watch every year. Um, always exciting. be really, really weird about, you know, 150,000 people in Churchill Downs, but um, it's going to be nice to have it. Um, you know, it's always an exciting race. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it on Saturday. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week. Uh, previewing week one of the NFL season. Have a great weekend, everybody.